An Oscar winner tackles the Hulk. Sully and Mike join a frat, and Arnold plays himself. This week on 302010. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, showing you all the cool milestones and anniversaries that happened in our uh, little collective worlds 30, 20, and 10 years ago this week. This week being June 16th to the 22nd, otherwise known as the week after Jurassic Park in our first segment. Thank you for indulging that very long conversation uh, last week, and thank you, Brett Elston, for joining us. Oh, uh, this is another fun-filled week of incredibly notable summer movies that I don't want to go into it. They're all notable and all like, uh, uh, oh, oh. Uh, anyway, hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and I hate baseball, but I am going to bat for a whole bunch of these movies. Okay. We have a bunch of movies that were considered major disappointments, and I am coming up to go to bat for them. All right. All right. Uh, well, I'm J.R. Rawls, and don't show me Angley's Hulk. <laughs> you wouldn't like me when you show me Angley's Hulk. <laughs> it's a long one. Uh, anyway, moving on to... Uh, Business, patreon.com slash laser time. we got new bonus times and 80s and depths episodes up there. If you like us, talk about Spielberg swinging his dick around. God, that Twilight Zone episode is super fun. I just finished editing it. And uh, that's one of my favorite movies to talk about. Less so to always watch because of the tragedy that that permeates half of the film. (laughs) Literally half Mm. of the film is ruined. Uh, Anyway... Uh, Patreon.com slash later time. Five bucks. Got extra stuff there. Really want to do something with Spider-Verse. Y'all got, oh, Spider-Verse is so good. But nowhere to talk oh, about so that. So good. We're talking about 30, 20, and 10 years ago. I'll bring up Spider-Verse again in this show. You'll figure out why. Uh, 30, 20, and 10 years ago. So we're talking about June 16th to the 22nd in 1993, 2003, and 2013. Let's begin as we always do with uh, June 16th through the 21st uh, in 1993. 1993. We don't do June 16th to the 22nd every week. Jesus Christ, I'm a word salad. 1993, let's begin. A little bit of news to remind you what was going on in the world 30 years ago or remind me what was happening outside of cartoons in Jurassic Park because I don't remember English mathematician Andrew Wiles. He solves the world's most difficult math problem when he proves the last theorem of French mathematician Pierre de Fermat after 356 years of attempts. Holy shit, that's some goodwill hunting and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And his proof is like 100 pages long. And then they find a mistake in it a couple months later and it takes him two years to fix. Wow. Wow. <laughs> This is such, if this was in a sci-fi novel, you'd call bullshit. (laughs) So this 17th century French mathematician, not even a mathematician. He's like a clergy guy and he does math in his spare time. Mm -hmm. He writes down all these theorems and he says, uh, I have proof for these, but I, I don't have space to write it down. Drops dead and dies. His his notebook gets published, and people are like, well, what's this theorem? And they solve it. So, okay, he's right. And then they solve another, and they keep solving them, and then they get to this goddamn last theorem. And the guy's been dead for like 100 years at this point, and they're like, is this solvable? I mean, all the others were solvable, and they keep trying for century after century after century and a half. 
And then there's like noblemen that are like, I will give 100 gold marks to whoever can solve this. Uh. Yeah. And then I think about all the things that happen in between, like, I don't know, the American Revolution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. The steam engine, the telegraph, radio, Dearest. space flight, regular flight, Dearest. antibiotics, germ theory. Dearest Martha, as soon as this civil war ends, I can return home to you and finish this math theorem. Then- <laughs> you know what's really funny is like, okay, I'm I, I'm not a great math person, but I'm pretty, I'm okay. Like I can sort of understand the very basics. It's pretty much the Pythagorean theorem, which is A squared plus B squared equals C squared. And it's, Everything above squared doesn't work. That's the theorem. Okay. That's it. It's yeah. A cubed plus B cubed does not equal C cubed. Don't know. Continue. And then nope. 100 pages <laughs> of theorems with diagrams and curves and curves. like, oh, I was told symbols to be no curve. that summon demons. I mean, it is ridiculous Don't how complex read it. it is. Don't read nope. it in Latin. Your house will implode. <laughs> yeah. But, it's but that's the thing. People didn't know, did this long dead guy actually solve it? Or did he like think he solved it and make a mistake? Or was he just goofing off and was like, I totally solved this, guys. Wink, wink. It it, it only reminds me of like, I don't play fighting games. But when I do play a fighting game for who I go in and I mess around and I do a bunch of shit. Just, I don't know what I'm doing. And sometimes I beat somebody because I'm not playing by your program. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not playing by your rules. I broke math of this game. Maybe I could, I just want to tell, ask someone how their apples are. And maybe I could have solved this. Had it not been done 30 years ago, something I could not have solved is the dilemma of poor Wilson Pickett as he pleads guilty to auto assault due to drunk driving and is sentenced to a year in jail for hitting an 86-year-old pedestrian. Wicked, wicked Pickett. Yeah. This is not the first nor the last problem where Wilson Pickett and uh, substances causes mayhem. He once fired a gun into a hotel room trying to kill the Isley brothers. Wow. Yeah. But (laughs) Wilson Pickett, he sang Mustang Sally in the Midnight Hour, Land of a Thousand Dances. Like, you know Wilson Pickett. I don't think his case was helped by this commercial from him. Oh, no. Nobody makes Nobody makes malt liquor like slips. Nobody. Oh, my God. I tried to find out what he was drinking while this accident happened, and that's been lost to time. But I do wonder if it was I, malt I liquor. would assume he made enough from that commercial that it couldn't have possibly been slits. But look it up, because that commercial is just a bull running loose in a house. And him <laughs> raising his chair and his can to the bull. It's am- What was being conveyed in that Schlitz commercial? Drink Schlitz. You're going to fuck shit up. Oh. <laughs> It's pure malt liquor. But anyway, moving on uh, to the movies of 1993. Jurassic Park is miraculously still number one at the box office. And oh, everything sure else will suffer. Next week. <laughs> uh, and uh, first up, we have Sharon Stone, Tom Sizemore, and Dylan McDermott in Where Sleeping Dogs Lie. That is out this week. Yeah, uh, yeah like a good luck. serial killer murder mystery thing. Where Dylan McDermott moves into like the spooky mansion where there was a murder and Tom Sizemore is there. I wonder if he's acting twitchy. Could he be the kid off? <laughs> yeah, the reviews were not great. No, this this happens sometimes. Uh, uh, where like I'm sure people saw the phenomenon of Jurassic Park coming, but you got to put your summer movies out in the summer. What are you supposed to do? And it just casts this <laughs> shadow of a lack of revenue all over everything. 
I mean, except yeah. for the last movie we'll talk about, this is pretty much all counter programming. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. but like, I were no they going after the Jurassic Park crowd with these movies? I know, but know? like as we discussed, and that like Jurassic Park ended up like hitting a ton of demographics. So there wasn't really any counter programming to it. It was impossible. Yeah, I did. the only one that makes sense is to it. I sort of understand releasing an animated film for the little little kids yes. because, because those Jurassic typically Park might be. Too- if you're seven but yeah, yeah. That, that was a big debate i remember at the time it was are your kids too young for jurassic park find out at 11 wow that's <laughs> i thought that, i thought you were talking about the marketing like once once upon <laughs> a forest are you too young for jurassic park that's the only reason to go but yes not a don bluth movie despite me thinking it was but uh from some of the same mm. people uh, hanna-barbera it's a hanna-barbera joint lord hanna-barbera is not no and it's like an environmental thing about like the little little forest animals have to help their friend because <sighs> the chemicals i don't know this and the last rainforest fern gully and gosh the environmental kids movies from the early 90s i do not feel they aged well right. I, I really feel like they're just a slog to get through and i really wonder what films from today people in 30 years are going to be just like stop with the goddamn message mm. <laughs> it's it's possible the only one i can think i saw recently is don't look up and i just love that film and but you know we also have like no solution to that <laughs> issue just yet whereas we've made some environmental steps I mean, I don't what are you yeah, talking about chris also... we, we made all those movies about rainforest in the 1990s <laughs> and i never heard about it again so obviously the problem got solved uh... yeah. yeah don't don't put it on an eight-year-old to fix the problems of the rainforest though that's my problem like okay awareness is good but i just loathe anything where it's like the the point is awareness and that's it it was yeah it was very strange there was a lot of that for kids like hey whales do something i'm like i i I can't afford my own soda what am i supposed to do (laughs) (laughs) but yeah once upon a force i only saw it once i have no real positive memories of it but Hanna Barbera's theatrical record is as hilarious as it is dog shit. It is just <laughs> wonderful to ignore. This was this move from last week, or eh, it, we fudged it, it a little bit. The dates are a little soft because nothing really, really came out against Jurassic Park. So I just thought, you know what? Let's save everyone some trouble because no one is going to see. I don't know what I'm going to go see more: Jurassic Park or Orlando <laughs> <laughs> with Quentin, Chris, Billy Zane, and Tilda, Tilda Swinton, Tilda. Swinton. Tilda it's totally like the first time indie people caught on to Tilda Swinton mm-hmm. and then everyone else catches on a little bit later. But uh, this movie is freaking rad. It's an adaptation of Virginia Woolf story about um, a- an immortal dude who basically Queen Elizabeth orders him not to die. And he's like, I guess I, okay, I won't. And then, um, <laughs> and, and it lives for, you know, a couple hundred years as a dude and then uh, then wakes up as a woman. And then goes on living as a woman. and In Central Florida? Not in Central Florida, oh. thank fuck. <laughs> I mean, that's... But yeah, Quentin Crisp as Queen Elizabeth the First is pretty rad. God, this is a gorgeous looking movie, though. It really is. Like, the costumes are ridiculous and the settings are fantastic. I don't... The, part of it takes place in Constantinople, <clears throat> but I think they filmed... I forget where they filmed. Somewhere else that was like, oh, Sundrenched Splendor. Yes, please. Oof, yeah, uh, this is just in this is just a cool movie. It's it's just weird and interesting, slow, I guess, because not a ton happens. It's not like you know she gets captured by pirates or anything fun, but yeah, 
also, I mean, landmark for queer cinema. It's like people keep coming back to this one of like, and the original character of Orlando, someone who just like lives sometimes as a man and then sometimes as a woman. And does it make a difference? I don't know. And maybe all that is counter-programming for another movie that comes out this week that that solidified yeah. its date first. There's rumors Jurassic Park may have backed off this because it, it was this seemed like such a guarantee. No one's going to get it if I say Art Carney. <laughs> Art Carney. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Robert Prosky, Tom Noonan, uh, Mercedes Rule, F. Murray Abraham, Anthony Quinn, Charles Dance, Austin O'Brien, and Arnold Schwarzenegger in Last Action Hero. This is a magic ticket. What would you do? I'm in the movie! Who the heck are you? Don't shoot me. I'm a kid. If you could join your favorite hero on the big screen. Yes! And what would he do? If I go, how do I get back? If you brought him to the real world. Things were different here. Darn it, that hurt. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Everybody down. Last action hero. Rated PG-13. The fun begins on June 18th. <laughs> Whew, I go so back and forth for wanting to defend this movie as one of the greatest of all times. And then, yeah, this is still pretty bad. And I can see why there was a distaste for it. But it it is inarguably one of the most ahead of its time things I have ever seen to yes. this day. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. This is, I, I mean, it has a reputation of being a total bomb. Which it wasn't. Like, it, it like made its money back, but it wasn't. A T2, obviously. That's Arnold's highest grossing movie ever, but this is his next movie after his highest grossing movie Mm -hmm. ever. Yeah, and everyone was rooting for him to fail because the marketing Mm. on this was insane. They put a giant inflatable Arnold in Times Square (laughs) a few weeks after the first uh, World Trade Center bombing with a giant thing of dynamite in his hand. Wow. Wow. (laughs) And it's not a bomb. It's still grossed, adjusted for inflation, higher than Jingle All the Way, Junior, and Conan uh, the Destroyer. But also, it was pretty expensive. It looks so good like to this yeah. day it, it is it is if you haven't seen it you simply must if you have seen it you sort of know it looks well. incredible and this is a movie that could never be made today because it is i feel like the last huge giant blockbuster with almost no cgi there's one or two yeah. splashes of cgi sure but other than that it's a hundred percent practical a hundred percent real they just made crazy huge giant expensive set after crazy huge giant expensive set giant costumes all over the place uh live action stunts some of the most amazing stunts i've ever seen on screen so many great car chases so many explosions so So many here here's from my you know mild recent because like arnold's talking about this movie right now there's a documentary about him on netflix and he talks about this kind of devastating him because part of this movie is the idea of Arnold Schwarzenegger playing himself and like playing off the public's perception of him and his movie roles. I, it is, it is the proto being John Malkovich for the, the most wrong reasons. (laughs) One of which like every time I watch it and like, uh, it's supposed to be this parody of Arnold Schwarzenegger's persona. He plays a he in in a movie a kid is watching. He plays Jack Slater in his fourth appearance as a hard nosed L.A. cop. Arnold Schwarzenegger never played a cop outside of Kindergarten Cop. Mm, yeah. What about Red Heat? Oh, well, a Russian KGB agent, but like not right. this. It, it, right, I, right. See, that's the thing. It was rewritten about ten times. Yeah. 
uh, one of the rewriters was uh, the lethal weapon guy. Yeah. And he, he yes. really made Arnold as a lethal weapon type protagonist, which Arnold never did. He never did. And that's why I, I think this is a awesome movie that was six months away from being great. Yeah, that's exactly the, what I put in my notes. A little more time in the oven to adjust. Because mm-hmm. like Arnold's biggest, it's fun to talk about Arnold as like, the world's biggest action star, but it also, to me, is a story of HBO or premium cable because kids my age loved Arnold movies. All of his top grossing movies are rated R. They should not have been in theaters and seeing them. There's not really a persona to parody because kids shouldn't know about Commando or Terminator or Total Recall. But they did. But they did. And if they would have made this movie where it was a Arnold-type character, mm-hmm. you know, your Running Mans, your T2s, one of those fantastic sci-fi films, I think it would have been better totally. than this Jack Slater character. I really well, do. Well, I, I do what I love the Jack Slater character, because it is like the last 80s Shane Black movie. But the irony Mm. is this movie started as a script called Extremely Violent by Zach Penn (laughs) and Adam Left. I think the guys who went on to write X-Men, and they were writing something meta and like a young person's commentary on the movies they're watching, like the frivolous cycle of violence. But the script, like Hollywood gets it, wants to make it, and it just keeps going through... They end up hiring the writer they are parodying, Shane Black, <laughs> to rewrite the script to make it more Shane Black. It's such a bizarre story. It, but there's so many cool... But it doesn't know what it wants to be. I guarantee you, one day one executive is saying, we need to make this more kid-friendly. And then the next day, executive... 27b is saying we need to have more inside reference and then executive q through nine says yep. we need this to be more gritty self-referential i mean, it, I go, mean it goes through a bidding war to the point where it needs to be a summer movie and to be a summer movie you need to be a little more family friendly and mm-hmm. the biggest failings like the biggest eye-rolly stuff in this movie is because they do turn it into a kid's movie but i think the kid is great in it and he's the one he's res- pretty good. I think and he's yeah, awesome. he's he's the weak he, he's the part that could be the weakest link. If that kid is annoying, oh god. And there's a couple times where he's annoying, like a little bit whiny, but yeah, mostly he's a smart kid. He's, where he's making like, the meta commentary. He's the one who's doing the commentary of like he knocks on the door, oh, I hope my ex-wife isn't here. It's like, no, she wasn't in the credits. She's not gonna be here. I love it that him <laughs> handing him the pad and like say this. He's like, No, you can't say this because this is a PG movie. That's hilarious. That is like objectively amazing what, what for a 1983 movie. Do you movies. think was written down? Fuck. Actually, I don't know because I could say it fuck. once, huh? I think. Aren't fuck. You, you're allowed one fuck. Aren't you, you are allowed one fuck, but uh, in a PG-13 yeah. movie, non-sexual. It has to be an exclamation right. of "Yeah, we're yeah. fucked" as opposed to maybe it was cock. Maybe yeah. that kid wrote down cock on the notepad. Maybe that. God, this is yeah. fun to talk about. Maybe he went cunt. You definitely can't say that. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, you definitely. You don't even get one of them. No, nope. But no. anyway, so I don't know if we fully describe what the plot is. The plot is kid goes into action movie. Kid goes into for most most of the movie, and then kid goes into his favorite Arnold where, Schwarzenegger movie. Right, and it's and, established Jack Slater, the character, is played by Arnold Schwarzenegger because towards the end of the movie, he and Jack Slater leave the movie into the real world, going after the bad guy. Charles Dance, Chuck D, love him. Holy shit. Uh, tier, oh, tier. He makes it. Tywin Lannister. Lannister. He, oh. He's so much fun. He became, like, the second he comes out in the real world, sees how shitty it is and that bad guys can win. I'm like, this movie just got 80 times smarter. Oh, my God. What just happened? Yeah, but it, again, it needed a few more tweaks and few more months because the real world isn't real enough, okay? Yeah. Mm. The real world that they go to is still pretty darn cartoony, you know? 
Yes. And, and, and well, it's a, it's a shithole. He can just stand there shooting a gun and no one calls the cops. But He's it, like, if you heard, great. if you heard me, I, I think we were all in some agreement about loaded weapon is a really fun movie, despite being kind of a bomb as a parody, a genre parody. It's a fun genre parody in that it sums up all these movies that we've been watching throughout uh, 3020, the structure of 302010. So is this. And I love that Frank oh, yeah. McRae is there's the screaming sergeant. Danny DeVito is his cartoon cat partner. Whole, it, <laughs> Which no one blinks an eye at. That's the best part. I, I love that. Where the kid is like, of course you're in a movie. That officer is a cartoon cat. And they're like, but he's good at his job. <laughs> he was only on a one month suspension. He's supposed to be back. He's supposed to. It's so, and, and once again, and, and for gamers in a year officially without E3, that precinct is the E3 Los Angeles Convention Center. It is hilariously <laughs> lavish and large. Uh, it, it's hysterical. And the set pieces are still really fun. And I swear, I'm like listening. Like, I think they diegetically play like the dialogue during those sequence as if you're in a theater. The, mo- the, the sound sounds as if you're watching the in-movie in a movie theater, and then he gets sucked into the real world, and that's where I, I wish – it was something Arnold, I think, only could have done at the fucking height of his career, which is now, or the end of his career. Like, no, you need to bring in every Arnold character or enemy – into this film that's again that's you wish it would we, happen they needed more time the very ending we have the big bad character waving his magic ticket and saying i'm gonna bring in freddy krueger i'm gonna bring yeah. in king kong and it's like wow that'll be awesome oh you're not gonna show that you're just gonna bring the villain the fictional villain from jack slater 3 into the real world we've already seen arnold destroy that villain so it's not, and the ending of the film is like the beginning of the fictional film. And oh, no, it's so you got dis- a magic ticket. I mean, yeah, you got a magic gosh, ticket. The magic we've ticket al- is wasted. We've the already guy- seen the, the movie shows you Robert Patrick dressed as T1000. He is the T1000 mm-hmm. is in this, in the movie, in the movie. He yep. should have fought him. Uh, it would have been amazing. They already yep. did it. They should have yeah. they, all they, the Arnold villains. Yeah. That should have been the climax. They should have had Jack Slater. Go up against uh, Family Feud guy, Recall, Jesse Ventura. Uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's just end it like that. That could have been just balls to the walls. And, you know, the villain's strategy makes no sense. He's got a magic ticket. He can go anywhere he wants. So so why doesn't he just go to, oh, I don't know, sorority sluts meet the Mamory Mills part (laughs) seven and just live there? Yeah, go because he's evil okay <laughs> he's got a british accent and he's got a weird physical deformity a glass eye that makes him evil and that would be boring he has to go do something evil. but at least that's I'll, I'll say this about the movie this movie is never ever fucking boring it's like yeah. written and directed by the diehard people and it's it's like someone told them like this is the last time you get to make this kind of movie here's all the I, I here's a blank like- check this was the most expensive movie ever made at the time or close. It was in the running at the very yeah, least. No. I, I don't know about y'all, but were you excited to see this? Because this is great radio. Uh, this is the official movie, movie, book. movie book. It wasn't like the making of. I got that for Jurassic Park. And mm-hmm. I was like, I think I was equally excited for this because I was a huge Arnold fan in 93. I was like T2. I've watched that dozen, maybe two dozen times by this point. It was like new Arnold film. I am on board. I, I wasn't there. If you remember my discussion a couple of years ago, my dad showed me Terminator to take me to Terminator one. And up until then, like total recall, which I saw at a friend's house on 
HBO and Kindergarten Cop, which I saw three times in the theater. I liked Arnold, but I had not seen Predator and not seen Commando. And maybe that's not important because he doesn't really reflect upon those character types in this film anyway. If no, any, just, he's the perfect guy it, to cast, except that he's wrong for how the, the script is written. Well, I guess if you want to get technical, this Sylvester Stallone is more yeah, of the, he's, he's the playing guy. a Sylvester Stallone type. And then we see Sylvester yeah. Stallone played the Terminator. So these guys <laughs> have basically so swapped careers. You've got the oh. magic ticket. Could yeah. you go into Sylvester Stallone's Terminator movie Ooh. inside the Jack Slater movie? I don't Can it think... like Ooh. regress infinitely? You're talking about an Inception scenario where you yeah. dream within a dream kind of stuff. I, the, the, uh-huh. movie does, the movie yeah. would have tackled that in the second one, would there be one? And, mm. I, oh, yeah. I, I Yeah, there's a lot you could do with it. No, my, oh, uh, my, Arnold, my, did uh, say, Arnold did say in 2019 that he is up for doing both True Lies 2 and Last Action Hero of 2. Of course I he think is. the time's ready. He's doing, an, think... he's doing an awful Netflix show. Of course he is. Mm. He's, I mean, this is, this is the type of movie he should have made, like, instead of End of Days, with everything we're yeah. talking about. Because yeah. and, 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 it should have been his goodbye to cinema instead of this apex but it was again. I can't recommend enough the four part. I think it just concluded the Hans and Fr- unmade Hans and Franz movie, which was only went into production because Arnold said he was interested in playing himself, which he had done on the on SNL in the Hans and Franz sketches in a movie where he's in half the movie because he thought that was funny. That's something I haven't done. This movie like totally took that off the table, and he never he he did not do comedy again for a very long time. Not a very long time, like three years. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. He, uh, Junior is coming up. But he was I mean, willing to make fun of himself more than any other celebrity because he yeah. roasted oh, yeah. Arnold in this film. Yeah. I mean, the scene with him and his wife, where his wife is just like rolling her eyes at her husband. Like, don't please don't talk about Planet Hollywood. Please, <laughs> everyone hates when you do that. That <laughs> <laughs> was so good. So. I think, I mean, maybe part of the problem is some of it's the marketing on mm-hmm. this. Like, I wasn't terribly interested in seeing this because it looked like it was a kid's movie. I never watched it because I heard it was, you know, bad. And then I watched it a couple of years ago and I was like, oh, that was actually a lot of fun. And then I rewatched it again for the show. And when I realized, oh, this is just a comedy that mm-hmm. happens to have some amazing stunts in it. If you just look at it as straight ass comedy. Yeah. Yeah. It's freaking crazy. And it's, it's really it's, it is, crazy. It is decades ahead of its time in, in, in terms of its yeah. comedy, despite the studio dilution with the multiple rewrites. It, it is, it's crazy to yeah. think that this happened. It, it is yeah. nuts that, yeah, we got a, a parody of 80s, early 90s action movies from 80s, early 90s guys at the early 90s. At the height like, of Arnold's if, power. If, if yeah. this came out now, everyone would like crap themselves they'd yeah. be like wow they nailed the, the internet would lose their shit over a trailer like this with with none of our yeah. notes and uh it, it's just shocking that like nobody cared back then but again like w- if jr wasn't clear like this was in every comic three two one contact b- video game magazine it was heavily marketed at children including like all the music at the time ace new acdc songs new guns and roses the songs music. are great this soundtrack yeah. for this movie went platinum yeah Wow. Yeah, yeah. and it's also, it, it helps mark uh, another, like, what do you call it? A uh, kind of an end, um, a pop culture end in that type of music. Like, the next year, we'd move way further into hip-hop and alternative, and it's kind of the end of the GNR era. And the, the soundtrack mm. is, like, 20 artists of that nature. 
and full of it. So it's it's a great timepiece. It's still to watch, and it's lavish as fuck. It's on Netflix, which doesn't always happen with movies nowadays. They're always stuck on some other streaming service you don't subscribe to. I mm. really do recommend people watch this because it's it's incredibly creative. And our I hate that our, some of my notes are like, oh, there should have been more Arnold bad guys. It's like we've just seen so many other meta movies that kind of achieve what this movie wants to do and you can see why they yeah uncomfortable going to other studios quartering their ip but they would have done it if arnold had any the predator yeah. people would have given willingly given over the predator if arnold had any interest in starring in one of their movies or a predator sequel if he like a one percent interest they would have Chris, allowed this it. needed to be who framed roger rabbit yep. or at know, least when... chippendale's rescue rangers sure which, yeah. which... there you go <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's one of the things that I like that separates this from something like Free Guy, where it just feels like a free for all of mm-hmm. IP. Is that they're they're very specific in what they're doing. Like when they get chased by henchmen, they're all played by stuntmen you recognize as henchmen from other movies, yeah. like Al Long, <laughs> Long and uh, Sven Ole Thorsen. That cracked me up. But and then it, it's funny. I mean, yeah. the henchman yes. gets an ice cream cone in his head and he dies from it because it like pierces his skull. This yeah. this is a fun movie. Yeah, the, the portions right. that are the, the kid stuff, but it's not the fault of the actor. I think he's very good. Austin O'Brien, what's his name? Anyway. Uh, O'Brien, yeah. yeah, I think he's he's fine, it, but it's just that they decided it would be a kid's movie. That's when it gets cloying. Like, it's still smart mm. and funny throughout. Like, it's it's decent. There's a lot of earlier drafts that were a yeah. lot darker. In one of them, the projectionist is a demon, and uh, he's trying to capture the kid's soul inside of the action movie <laughs> by, like, corrupting him with violence. It makes way more sense than a ticket given to a guy by Houdini. Houdini, if he were alive, would be fucking debunking this movie's <laughs> premise altogether. Uh. Yeah. Can I talk about uh, some more of the cameos, though? Because there's Please. some that's just like, I don't know how this happened. The very first cameo, Tina Turner. Unbelievable. Ten, ten seconds. What the hell? The movie is Tina Turner is in only... this month is not the Tina Turner movie. It's... <laughs> yeah. Is this the only instance of her acting getting beyond Thunderdome? Oh, God. God damn it. Why did I not see that coming? I was waiting <laughs> to give my response. Actually, yes. <laughs> this is the last time she acted. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but then uh, we have a person I love bringing up, Joan Plowright, mm-hmm. former Mrs. Olivier, showing the 1948 Olivier Hamlet in class, which then becomes a really funny thing. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the, in, uh, yeah, the action movie that, Hamlet. That's what I was referencing in our uh, Much Ado About Nothing thing. Arnold yep. plays Hamlet. And I think he's right. awesome in that. That is just such a balls to the wall, insane s- scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. Stay thy hand, fair prince, who said I was fair. <laughs> <laughs> to be or not to be. It's, it's like not to be. It's ripped <laughs> right out of Tropic Thunder it, like yep. 20 years earlier. It's fucking amazing. And then I think the craziest one, because there, there are so, so many, and you know, most of them you can spot them. But the one that hits different now is, uh, I love that the, the ticket somehow affects uh, an art house theater that's showing a packed showing of Ingmar Bergman's Seventh Seal. <laughs> right on. And because the- kids love Ingmar Bergman. I mean, that's what you want in your kid-focused summer blockbuster. More Ingmar Bergman. More Bergman. Wild strawberries. Wild strawberries. But <laughs> but I love we were just talking about the seventh seal and the scene of playing chess with death and how that like comes up in so much media. And then death comes out and it's fucking Ian McKellen, Ian McKellen. who is not known in America yet. 
Nope. He is Crazy. just the fancy Shakespearean stage guy. And to think that just what, seven, eight years later, he will be goddamn a movie star and beloved. It, and here he is, it's just like, hey, okay, bye. And, and, he nails it. But again, death has oh, superpowers cool. in the real world. Why doesn't Jack Slater have his powers in the real world if death does? Mm. I mean, yeah. there are, that's why you. I think this needed six more months. Yes. Or, or 17 more writers. Like it, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you could have made, but again, Diana, the cameo, I don't know that I've seen Maria Shriver talk if it wasn't like Barbara Walters, uh, but she's in this movie, Arnold's real wife. Unbelievable. Yeah. She's funny. Blanket she's really funny. Missed the T-1000 and Jean-Claude Van Damme. Like it just, it's unbelievable. It it, it should be, yeah. it, it's, it should be like a National Lampoon's level parody, but it's so much smarter than that. So like, yeah, everything I love about Loaded Weapon is represented here with like way better set pieces. So I got to give it that. But it is like at its heart, kind of a terrible movie, <laughs> like just well, structurally it, it, kind of terrible. And it's kids focused. Yeah. Yep. So I understand. Like, also, <laughs> also, it relies on a kid really loving the movie Amadeus. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, like that is still a really good gag where it's like uh, you know it's the rule of um, uh, economy of characters it's like oh when f murray abraham shows up to be like his police captain his old buddy or whatever and the kids immediately like he's a bad guy and I, and I saw I, he killed he killed mozart and it's like no because he's too big an actor for this role so he's going to turn out to be the bad guy what I, what I hate to say is is like this movie is never going to be better then the week Arnold dies because Ooh. somebody is going to program like a movie of like Commando, Terminator, Predator. And then you're going to show this and like people who don't know it exists will be like, what the fuck? This is expensive. This all seems like a sketch, but this is an extremely well-made movie. I, I showed it to my son holds up. He liked it the right. whole way through and he doesn't have that much exposure to Arnold. He doesn't. Right. It's not really in his wheelhouse, but it it held up on its own. Uh, I think it's a recommend. I They had like something like three weeks after principal photography finished to edit the film. It wow. was oh my ridiculous. God. Yeah, they like threw out all the rules because the studio executive said we have this date we're not going to move it because then people will think we're afraid of Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. And Arnold went, guys, my director says we should move it. And the studio exec said no to Arnold. Whoa. They would not give him more time. They I, were that... like so set on that date because all of that promotion had already been said yep. this date. I, 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 I think that I think this movie would have done amazing if not for Jurassic Park. It would I think have done that's a lot better. Yeah, I think it should have been uh, yeah. if it. If it had been a winter movie, mm -hmm. you know, where like Batman uh, Returns, I think that would have been its better wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. And again, it needed that time to fix everything because I think this is one of the most unfinished films Hollywood has ever done. Sure. I would, we'll never see it. I want a director's cut of this. Yeah. I want the director to have all the time in the world. He's I've dead had too. 30 years to ruminate it on it. Let me redo this because he didn't get enough time to edit it he really didn't oh he's not dead he's just in jail, what, in jail? well he's in movie jail, movie jail. Uh, because he was part of a scandal with a private investigator that was like, stealing shit and breaking into people's houses right. and bugging them sorry so yeah mctiernan's oh. in movie jail which right. sucks because that would be the perfect action director and, and that would be the, the perfect time to work on some project where it's like well they won't give me a real movie, so I'll just redo one of my old movies. And as conceived, it's from the guys who brought us X2 and Avengers. Like, it's unbelievable. <laughs>
that yep. these guys kind of had a pulse on what people wanted to see this fucking early. And uh, yeah, it's it's surprisingly savvy. But I have this clip. Uh, Dave always makes me play. We talk about such things. Arnold. Congratulations. You played yourself. <laughs> he, he, he did. And as JR pointed out, like there are like part of why it's a failure is that there was toy lines and most people aren't even recognizing like that hasn't happened with Arnold stuff yet, really. Like you Terminator. had to, uh, T two, there were right. I don't There's know. I don't remember. I, I don't remember because R rated stuff didn't typically get toy lines until their audience grew up a little bit, and the, mm. and even then they'd be more expensive toys, you know, like collector stuff. Because I, I don't. I certainly don't remember a lot of T two stuff on store shelves. I don't. And, no, and, but if you play some of these commercials, you can see like why critics would be rubbing annoyed. their fingers in glee about it bombing and like they pounced on this with yeah. a venom that it does not deserve no make no mistake jack slater is the last action uh, uh, hero jack it's benedict and his rottweiler it's pete for pete and pete <laughs> okay ripper let's bring down the house whack whack <laughs> oh my god danny devito's cat has an action figure I I, didn't, I never saw ripper, any of does this. Does the ripper mean that Tom Noonan has Tom, yes. an action? Yeah, yes, because yeah. that that was one of those inside jokes that would fly by kind of fast. That the idea that like Tom Noonan plays the psycho killer bad guy, and then later his agent is yelling at what he thinks is Tom Noonan, like you're always going to play this. You're going to get so typecast. Stop doing that. And it's like, yeah, because he did that in Manhunter. He was kind of typecast as psycho killer. So, but play the Burger King commercial. Oh, uh oh. Boom! Last action hero. What do you think of anyone who doesn't see this movie? Big mistake. Wow. I love this place. It's, holy shit, it's Dan Cortez. Dan Cortez's Burger King era. Oh my God. I totally forgot about that. It has the inflatable Arnold. And now when you go to Burger King and order a flame broiled Whopper with large fries and a medium drink, you get this last action hero, eight action cup, free. Like him, you... That is the most ridiculous movie promotion I've ever seen. Yeah. It, it creates an illusion around your cup that it's moving in movie frames. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. But I think it's the biggest movie of the summer. I mean, and this was playing as Jurassic Park was out there crushing By the way, film. And the way 25, work, costing $25 million less than this film. <laughs> oh, my God. So I think <laughs> because it's practical. The, yep. You are seeing, again, I feel like, okay, there's a series of great documentaries I recommend, uh, In Search of Tomorrow, In Search of Darkness, and then In Search of the Last Action Hero. Leonard Nimoy? And, <laughs> no, no, it's all about the history of pop culture, sci-fi, horror, and action films. And In Search of the Last Action Hero does an amazing job of showing you the rise of the action genre. And this film is a turning point for it. Really, it really truly is the death of the action movies mm. that it's making fun of. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's so... Again, this is one of those movies, like, it may be more fun to talk about it with your movie friends than to watch it, but, like... It, I think it's astonishing, and it's like it's it's it has. I even wrote down like Princess Bride qualities. If you're making fun of <laughs> genre tropes, someone in the movie will turn to this this the camera and make fun of it before you. It's it it is very self aware the yeah. entire time. Um, there are some really cute jokes in there. I watched this with subtitles, and that helped a little bit. Uh, picking up jokes that were happening in the background, I could barely hear. Like when they're assigning the cop is assigning the mismatched partners, you know, and one is like a big cop and a rabbi. And there's the woman and the cartoon cat. And one that flew by was uh, that I could barely hear, but the subtitles got it. It was like, Euler, you're with Waterman. 
<laughs> Chef's kiss on that joke. Yeah. Thank you, whoever wrote that joke. And, That's and, so and good. Like, what to to Jr.'s point, like, yeah, I think it was probably obnoxious to adults like yeah with a toy yeah. line and like ah the paper says it's bad and um you know that's what a lot of people judged their movies on they but they still would have gone if without jurassic park i maintain yeah well, i it's uh, hard I... it's hard to parody something that's still happening yeah, <laughs> yeah. true that's true i dragged my mom to this wow. and i recall her turning to me halfway through and going can we leave oh I don't yeah. get it as personally. I'm not a mom, but like I apologize to my parents way more when like I watch the Care Bears movie and shit like that. Like this isn't even done. Like this is a first draft. Like nothing makes any coherent sense. All that stuff was way worse in my opinion. Last Action Hero, it's on Netflix. Tell us what you think. I think it's it should be studied in in film history because of worth reappraisal. That's for damn sure. And if you want to learn how it's made, there's fantastic <laughs> articles online. Unlike the official movie book, the only interesting thing I learned about the making of Last Action Mo- Hero in the official movie book is the tar they used in this movie is actually the uh, chocolate layer of an ice cream sandwich. Oh, delicious. <laughs> A turtle shell. That and- sounds delicious. So I can just picture Arnold in like three feet of chocolate ice cream sandwich goo and please do yourself a favor and go listen to conan o'brien show with robert smigel dana carvey and kevin nealon talking about the movie that didn't get made because of this film that arnold is in living in a house made of like real biceps go past the pectorals and into the buttocks like it's (laughs) it's it sounds unfilmable but like with uh with this budget it could have been uh and arnold was in until like this sort of broke his heart it it made him realize maybe his the perception of him in the public wasn't what he thought like I thought who like one of you said like who would have made fun of themselves to this degree this early like he had mm. he wasn't at the decline of his career he's at the apex and yep. and willing to make fun of himself anyway moving on to television in 1993 and kind of a big week uh, Chicago oh, yeah. Bulls become yep. the first team since le- the legendary Boston Celtics of the 60s to win three consecutive titles with a ni- 99 to 98 victory holy shit buzzer beater over the nope, Suns. Over the and Suns. yeah, no big surprise. Michael Jordan is the MVP for Never the heard of third him. year. I for mean, the third final. This, yeah. This is Jordan at his height. Uh, Jordan Sick. Mania is coming out. He is on top of the world, which makes his following decisions just blows my mind. Yeah. But he, he did what was right for him. But at this moment, I think he was the biggest person in any sport. Yes. Period. I think he was the most famous person. Like who is only plays himself in his in in my personal history. Like uh, he just was. I mean, I didn't pay a lot of attention to the Kardashians, but for being Michael Jordan, he was great. He had a lot of success. Just being even him. someone as uncool as me wanted Air Jordan. Yeah, okay. even even someone That's who like how big he was kind of didn't like sports was watching this because it was like kind of amazing to have like a real hero in the world. <laughs> and that was my only note in Last Action Hero. This kid is poor. Uh, he has a TV in his room and Reebok pumps those are things i am not allowed to have fuck this poor kid uh but uh and then also this week on tv while appearing as a guest as a guest on yo mtv raps tupac secure, secure confesses to physically assaulting uh film directors albert and alan hughes the owls as we call them we don't uh in retaliation <laughs> for his firing from menace to society and there's i've never seen this there's a clip of this this is the clip this is him doing it I beat up the directors to minister society. Let me oh. tell the whole world. All right, tell All them right. how you did with that. He's chump, punk, slump, you know what I'm saying? Hey, 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 h
chance to come here and rebuttal. No, they won't. They better come now. Check this out. They fired me, but did it in a roundabout punk snitch way. So I caught them on the streets and beat they behind. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay, like, I was a nigga to the knees, but and it ain't over. I still got more you can hear his, his friend is actively trying to stop him from confessing to a felony on national television. <laughs> Let me tell you how I committed the crime in great detail, just in case anyone wants to prosecute me. In you can hear the, the boom mic guy moving away, so he's not asked <laughs> to testify. Like I don't, I don't want any of this. Uh, oh my god. Oh my God, Tupac! Uh, Will there be another? Tupac? I don't get that mindset. I I really don't. It enhances. That's one of those where it's like, yeah, confess to the crime. It enhances your credibility for the the persona you're putting forward. Of it's, like, yeah, he's someone. If you cross him, he'll beat your ass. He doesn't care. It's true. Um, and uh, the, the level of bad things Tupac did. That's like one of the nicer things he did. So. <laughs> Okay. It's him confessing to helping an old lady across the street for for the things that Tupac did. And a uh, bit of sad news: uh, Harry and the Hendersons ends. It starts in '91, and I to tell you where I was because I'm a little younger than you guys. I very much followed this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, until it was, I remember airing at like 6:30 p.m. on a Sunday in syndication before I'd watched The Simpsons. So you know, I was already waiting at the television. I remember wanting to watch it, but again, that syndication thing where it was just like, yeah, well, I tell. loved Harry and the Henderson. I love the concept of Bigfoot, but I just can't watch the show because I don't know when it's on. Um, the actual show, though, ran out of plot lines of keeping Harry secret, like in the first season. Mm-hmm. So then they pivoted and they're like, OK, the whole world knows about Harry. What can we do with that? I mean, I, I feel <laughs> like this was a time late 80s early 90s when people just went that's a great premise for a movie therefore it'll make a great tv show and it doesn't really translate okay you can do something for two hours but not 30 minutes 24 times a year for multiple years but to its credit and this almost never happens obviously john litkow's not coming back to be in the sitcom but the one guy who did is kevin hall the guy who played harry who Rick Baker called his favorite creation. He made a whole character out of nothing. This guy brought him to life, and I think he dies in the middle of the series, putting, I think, I would imagine, putting a different kind of Jeopardy. Your, our most expensive effect now has to be totally remade to find mm. some to put someone else in here. So I'm mm. guessing that had something to do with it. And then on... Well, mm. I think Harry is a fantastic puppet. I agree with that. That is some incredible puppetry yeah, work. It, it, it's it like, makes you feel for the guy. It's like the most lovable monster in uh cinema like at that, to that point of practical cinema history oh uh, lastly this week on television the star trek next generation episode descent see if you can recognize this voice okay. it's really hard to pin down but then i said in that frame of reference the perihelion of mercury would have processed in the opposite direction <laughs> that is a great story <laughs> quite amusing dr hawking you see sir isaac The joke depends on an understanding of the relativistic curvature of space-time. If two non-inertial reference frames are in relative motion... Do not patronize me, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Date on the holodeck with Albert Einstein and Isaac Newton and the very real Stephen Hawking. I hope they'd pull the Simpsons and gave him his own Star Trek action figure.
That'd be awesome. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a memorable episode other than that, but what do you want? They got the actual Stephen Hawking to be on Star Trek. Pretty damn cool. Wow, I love this. So moving on into video games of 1993, we're going to focus on some NES titles given the loose dates we generally deal with. We're going to talk about the NES, and this is just like how not to li- release your game coinciding with a movie. Jurassic Park NES comes out. As does Cool World for the <laughs> <Nintendo> <laughs> Entertainment System. Uh, right on time. Right to coincide with yeah. that blockbuster summer film from two summers? One summer ago? Two One s- summer oh, ago? No. One summer yeah. ago. Yeah. Uh, but delay, oh. delay, delay. That's how it was back then. But yeah, you don't know what's going to be popular, so you just buy the license and do your best or do your worst because Cool I mean, World is not a good game. I assume they were working on the game when the movie came out and they... Sp- should have seen how the movie did, and we're like, let's reskin this and turn it into something else. Right, right. And yeah. I, I don't know Some that. IP is better than no IP. I nope. thought if this was, you know, my my presumption is that like games have become exponentially harder slash longer to develop. But we're talking about NES games. The Super Nintendo has been out for almost two years in Japan, but yeah. it still means like these are all. Well, mostly Japanese developers, like, why are you still working on this? And yeah, we have a couple titles that really bring that up that could have been huge sellers if not for the system that they were on. I do just want to throw in, I threw shade at the Jurassic Park games because a lot of them are pretty bad. This NES game, not bad. Honestly, I was pleasantly surprised. It's odd. The cuter, less, less graphical fidelity ones hold up a lot better than just like the straight genesis which i think are terrible they are like they are sub iphone flash games when when it comes down to it but uh one game i genuinely love and had before my friends sold it out from under me jerks uh well first being battletoads versus double dragon trade west teaming up the two big big heavy hitters people who defined games in kind of the same game style and but i think this was released on everything else too who was asking for this team up? <laughs> Who the hell went Billy and Bimmy need to get together with Zit, Pimple, and Rash? That needs to happen. Uh, who was asking that trade west is the only thing i can imagine the people who currently held the rights to these characters and it's slowly over time it's different people now but i think the publisher at the time was publishing both games so why not because what else do you do they're kind of both represent a genre that could go away so what instead of striking while the iron's hot last action hero style let's throw them in the same game and then one I can explain is DuckTales 2 for NES, because that game was made very quickly, the original game. I don't know why it's coming out now, because I think the show is done. The show is off the air. The show is done. Well, the movie is done. The show, the no show will air every day on network well, television yeah. and Disney Channel for the next right. 10 years, or but seven or eight years, but like it's not in production. Why now? I was... I was the biggest DuckTales fan in the world when it first came out. I would rush home from school every single day because my bus stop was far enough away that I had to, like, sprint. And if I sprinted as fast as I can, I'd only miss the first five minutes of DuckTales. Mm -hmm. So I would just rush in to watch it, and I'd be like, ah, what's happening? I don't know. Every day I ran my ass off to watch as much DuckTales as possible. Mm -hmm. But by the time this came out, even I was off yeah. the DuckTales wagon. It was and in reruns. It wasn't as exciting. This is a great game, it's a though. Great, it's awesome. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is so much fun. I am so wish I could show 1993 JR. I think he sold his NES at this point is the right. problem, and I think that's why I didn't get it. But this absolutely holds up, and I am 
super grateful for that Capcom remake of DuckTales. Capcom Arcade re- Collection. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the Disney no, Afternoon the Collection. Arcade. The Disney Afternoon not, Collection. I like the Disney Afternoon Collection, but I'm talking about the remaster. Oh, DuckTales Remastered. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, DuckTales Remastered was fabulous, but I wish they would have thrown in this into the remaster. I know that's asking too much, but most people I feel are like me and they never played DuckTales 2. So if we could have gotten that on the remaster, it would have been like blowing our minds how awesome these levels are because they hold up, they add new mechanics, and they capture the spirit of DuckTales. This is everything you would want in DuckTales 2. Yeah, and it's in the uh, Disney Afternoon. It's shockingly still playable because I, you know, I've worked on that game. I'm surprised. I'm shocked that its license is still there, but you can still get it on your uh, modern consoles. But DuckTales 2 is amazing. Like, JR, I, like, I, I don't know that I didn't know it was coming out. It was just overshadowed by a lot more exciting things. DuckTales and Jurassic Park, to me, feel like those take place during way different periods of my childhood. And to see them simultaneously launch is fucking weird. And this, people didn't know it came out. Very few copies were sold. It became, before there was NES collectors, this was very rare and worth a lot of money. So if you have DuckTales 2, even out of the box, it's worth quite a bit of money. And then lastly, in the uh, 1990s, we go to music. That's the way love goes by Janet Jackson. It's still number one shout out to my cousin who i even told she's always was kind of a gateway to things that were happening in pop culture when i was really young and now she fucking listens Ugh. don't <laughs> don't text me when you hear this but i remember she walked in one day you usually she had george michael cassettes and then one day was in her hair puffed out madonna style and then one day had a Lollapalooza shirt and like what is happening to musical tastes they are a changing <laughs> and Lollapalooza yeah. this year at main stage alice in chains primus dinosaur jr fishbone uh, Arrested Development, Front 242, Babes in Toyland, Tool, and Rage Against the Machine. And these are not nice. topping the charts yet. There is a new scene of music coming. And uh, yeah, look out, Last Action Hero soundtrack. Mickens! Uh, I remember that playing on the radio from the Last Action Hero soundtrack. Other new releases include Gold Against the Soul by uh, Maniac Street Preachers, Joy and Blues by Ziggy Marley and the Melody Makers, A Storm in Heaven, the debut of The Verb, Ain't No Other by MC Light, Aries by Luis Miguel, Covenant by Morbid Angel, Here's to Your Dreams by Raven Simone at age seven, uh, It Won't Be the Last by Billy Ray Cyrus, Sons of Soul by Tony Tony Tony, Liz Fair, Exile in Guyville, and that album is on the Rolling Stone Top 500 album list. It's in the top 100 because it is a fucking great album. It's a great title. But not an album if you're into, like, hooks and melodies. <laughs> it's guitar playing over discussions of interesting things. And it's kind of a song-by-song in conversation with the Rolling Stones' Exile on Main Street, which is one of the greatest albums of all time. Mm. And I freaking love Exile and Guyville. And I had a really hard time picking out a song because I tended to just listen to it straight through. And I couldn't tell you which song was which because <laughs> I would just listen to it straight through. Set tapes. Ugh. Yep. That's, that's how it go, baby. So, yeah, I went with Stratford on Guy because that's a more clear song, I guess, compared to... <laughs> Some of the other ones, uh, and fucking run has a couple lyrics that are very uncomfortable now. <laughs> yeah. Mm, well, let's close well, out with some. Well, she mentions she mentions your age oh. at what she when she was fucking and running, and you go, "Oh, that's not okay, honey. No, go back to middle school, Liz. No." Okay. Well, let's close out with some Liz Fair once again. Our long ninety segment, but we'll be right back. Ah, oh, we got to talk about. A little more MCU character that nobody likes coming to the screen for the very first time <laughs> right after this. It took an hour. 
2003 with So Gone by Monica off of After the Storm. It's Monica with no brandy. Uh, I'm not dandy. And <laughs> that's all I have to say about Monica here. Uh, welcome to 2003. 10 years in the future or 20 years in the past, depending on how you want to look at things. June 16th to the 22nd. Uh, other new releases, music-wise, this week include Decoration Day by Drive-By Truckers, a self-titled album by Finger Eleven, uh, Happy Songs uh, for Happy People by Mogwai, uh, here comes the Indian by Animal Collective. Don't Google that. That was having some issues earlier. <laughs> Life is mm-hmm. killing me. Do you not, do you not see that? Uh, your husband even showed it to me. Let me see if it still works. Um, JR, Google Animal Collective. Okay. Animal Collective. Done. What comes up first? Pop band. All right, good. It's been fixed because before it was two unpronounceable words in Last Action Hero, and no one—I didn't know people were still Google bombing. Life is killing me by Typo Negative, a match of some and some gasoline by the Suicide Machines. Take me to your leader uh, by King Ghidorah, aka MF Doom, and Twenty One Questions by Fifty Cent featuring Nate Dog is still number one. Ooh, I love I love little news segments like this from twenty years ago that let you know what is happening in the world. Google launches AdSense, a program that enables website publishers to serve ads targeted to the specific content of their individual web pages. And the shit hit the fan. People were like, What? The ads will have my information? No, this cannot be. Oh, I thought I, I thought you meant in a different way. Because this kind of felt like the further democratization of the web like oh i can monetize my website without needing to reach out to advertisers and google will just take care of it and by take Mm -hmm. care of it it would eventually mean like give you a lot less money and make these ads worthless (laughs) (laughs) that that too but i wasn't a content producer at the time i just remember a bunch of people on the internet being like incensed and enraged at the idea that your internet browsing would like stick around and, or like, that people would track that this free google thing is stuff. uh collecting data on me heaven for fend mm-hmm. he, he says he says in a chrome browser <laughs> cookies everywhere yeah no this was this was a huge deal for their smaller internet content like me i had mm-hmm. i had a website a forum and the only way to get the forum to pay for itself was to you know put an ad a little banner ad at the top little banner ad on the bottom and it paid for itself and i didn't have to go to some marketing company mm-hmm. and figure out all kinds of complicated shit it Create was like a it's google I, yeah i've already dealt mm-hmm. with them you know it's it's just like yeah just total democratization it seemed like it's just but that, yeah I, I think if you just, if you track the, the trajectory of this the higher your website went and clicks, the lower the ad revenue became as the ubiquity of this program. Like, I swear, I don't even use an ad blocker now. I don't see these things. My eyes know how to navigate past them. I yep. don't know that they're worth anything. And I thought I thought it was fun. Simultaneously, I was looking at other media releases. This is the week where DVD 
rentals surpass VHS rentals. It had not happened yet. And that's happening the same week as Google AdSense. You do not think of those things overlapping (laughs) at at the same time, but here we are. And just to foreshadow something that happens uh, uh, later on, HBO has signed David Chase to give uh, Sopranos a sixth season, and the whole cast is coming back. Rejoice. There there can be no bad Sopranos news. Anyway, (laughs) anyway, uh, wouldn't normally mention it, but uh, preparing you for tragedy. Uh, Movies of 2003, 16th through the 22nd of June. Uh, Cecil Cecil de France. I don't know how to say this. My, My when... And uh, yeah. but it's high tension or hot tension. I saw it as hot tension, even yeah, hot tension. Hot tension is a French film directed by Alejandro Aja. Who yes, he'll come back uh, in the next segment, and is part of the uh, French horror extremist trend of the French doing just the most extreme, disturbing horror fucking possible. It's like, <laughs> oh, here's just, yeah, it's a horror film, and you know, it's about uh, these two, like, girls, and they're, like, staying with the family, and then this guy just starts coming out and just, like, gorily, disgustingly, horribly killing everyone in the grossest fashion possible. <laughs> and, yeah, that's just what France got to do, you know? It's, it is a commentary on the slasher film, but this also it is a commentary on the audience who would want to watch such a scene. I don't purport to be, like, the most educated horror fan, but this movie showed like holy shit who is this guy with this keen eye for craft and scares but the movie if you've seen it <laughs> at the end is just one of the silliest things that's ever happened in, yeah. in trapdoor reveals and I, I hate i don't even know whether to spoil it or not at this point but it is it makes any further viewing of it like no i'm not watching this again <laughs> that was so dumb. that was so silly yeah, and it's tough because so many of the reviews that I found were reviews of the dub that got cut down to an R for the U.S. Mm. And that does not sound like if you want to watch something like High Tension, that's not how you're going to watch it. You yeah. watch it in the original French. You watch it uncut as fuck because there's plenty of cutting going on already. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, masochism. Now, <laughs> actually, yeah, I. I could t- so I didn't watch High Tension because I am too much of a sissy for such things. Mm-hmm. But I have watched something far more painful. <laughs> oh uh, my God. Just, how do you say his name? Justin Guarini? Guarini. Guarini and Kelly Clarkson? I only know number her as Number one a... and number two from the first season of American, American Idol, Idol, which is such a huge hit that they are contractually obligated to do this. And Kelly Clarkson has never shut up about, I was contractually obligated. I didn't want to do it. I, I think the the weirdest thing in like this, whatever formula this was, was already like over in a joke in like the 80s. Yes. And yes. they basically make it a net Funicello movie with, with the American yes. Idol winners. I guess it was worth a shot, but it is widely regarded by the end of the year as one of the worst movies of the year. In the next segment, I'll say something about bringing people you know into a dead genre I also didn't care for. But uh, I had no stake in either of these American Idol winners. I didn't care about their movie, and I wasn't going to watch it for this show. Is it? Is, it's a musical, though, right? It is, yeah. From Justin to Kelly, it is a full-on, let's go to spring break musical where, you know, he's with his bros, she's with her girls, and there's, like, comical misunderstandings oh. and big parties, but she's too good a girl to want to 
go to that kind of party. Oh, wackiness ensues. And I think it's in Fort Lauderdale. I have a feeling they shot not on spring break because it was like constantly overcast and does not look like fun at all. We only have six days outside, people. (laughs) Oh, it's really bad. Like they could have done a draft with a little bit of tinkering and they could have made this a parody of this kind of movie and it actually might have been sort of fun but no it is completely straight beach blanket bingo style movie but it's modern because they have cell phones in context <laughs> is beach it's... blanket bingo worth watching today no! I... <laughs> no. No. no no none of them were they're i mean they're fun because of how dumb they are and yeah, like maybe if you want some clothing some context into into what the oneaters were cameoing in that thing you do but like <laughs> uh, it's it's a dead genre for a reason it's thoroughly disposable uh, yeah at, it was disposable then like they, they made them to be disposable to go to drive-ins so teens would show up and have sex <laughs> and then you film that and that's where the real money is baby mm. oh, oh yeah from justin to kelly it's like it's it's not even fun to make fun of because it's it, except for every now and then just like oh like trying to guess when the song is going to start and just feeling embarrassed for everybody yeah Ugh. no oh it's, it's so dumb it's so dumb Ugh. what are you doing why well, uh, another movie I noped out of, the next one, uh, Sophie Marceau, nope. Luke Wilson and uh, Kate Hudson and Alex and Emma. I mark this as like the uh, kind of the end of Rob Reiner as like the director who was on a crazy roll for a long time. We're, we're past the end on Rob Reiner. You think so? It's Story of Us. Uh, and yeah, Story of Us, Ghost, he was before this, and that was Ghost terrible. Ghost of Mississippi, American President, those did okay. Okay. I, I feel like everything after those is, no. Yes. It, yes, it was all forgettable stuff yeah it's just i don't know what's going on there but uh, yeah luke wilson has to he's a novelist and he owes a bunch of money and he needs to finish this novel in 30 days or else they'll break his thumbs or something and kate he hires kate hudson to be his transcriptionist and then she and then like he describes the story and then they're acting out the story so it's like cutting back and forth between the two and every review led with the word boring And, so, yeah, I had more important things to do. I'm like, I'm not watching something that's boring. I had I'm to watching watch a, something that is frustrating. A three and a half hour Marvel movie of <laughs> in 2003. Uh, but I might have to, I might start fighting you guys. I know. Well, it probably I think won't. it's going to be fight time. because right. I have thoughts. Josh. I'm sure we do. Number one at the box office this week. Josh Lucas. Sam Elliott. Uh, and uh, Jennifer Connelly and Eric Bana, again, number one at the box office. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the first theatrical Hulk movie. Bruce, you've had a terrible accident. You're wondering why you're still alive. You're thinking there's something different. You may not want to believe it, but I can see it in your eyes. Angley's Hulk. <laughs> Angley's Hulk. One of the more interesting experiments to occur with a burgeoning genre. Absolutely. Right. So, Experiment is the keyword. Yeah, yeah. So he's experimenting by adapting a comic book movie. Mm-hmm. So he decides he's going to have a lot of panels in his Oof. movie because it's a comic book. I now, hate it. This, so this is <laughs> almost as bad. As if you're adopting a novel, 
So you decide what the movie needs is a bunch of words on the screen because yeah. it's a novel yeah. and words are in novels. So Or you, Uwe Boll's House work. of the Dead that intercuts crucial sequences with gameplay from the Dreamcast game House of the Dead. <laughs> it, 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 we, I just saw Spider-Verse, which uses comic panels to tell a story the same way comic panels are supposed to. Not just tertiary treats for the audience. That is the way it's used in this film. It, it's just so dull. Oh, they're, they're badly used. Yes. Okay, they do not accomplish their goal of making it interesting, advancing the story, or being visually pleasing. They fail on every level. Well, okay. So only let me say it's profoundly weird that the Incredible Hulk, in the consciousness of most Americans, is kind of television. Yeah. And that that is yeah. almost entirely what's being adapted here. And I'm sure Ang Lee and his, his fine co-workers thought that was a bone to throw Incredible Hulk fans. That like, uh, yeah, this mostly is strayed from its comic root, but we're bringing it back. And, it, you know, it's kind of a, what would you call that? Like, thanks, I hate it, uh, <laughs> like kind of thing. But, but just someone who, who, they don't understand comics either, nor the comic origins of Incredible Hulk. And mm. by that, I mean... Pretty much making his story the story to to tell the ten minutes the, the nine minute sequence of Doctor Manhattan and, and Watchmen is basically retold in the first two hours of Hulk and it, it's yeah it's awful. I mean, See, I no, no, no. totally disagree. I don't no, mean to I say awful. Is... I don't mean to say uh -huh. awful. I don't. Okay. Because I, like I didn't the Immortal Hulk the comic I read semi recently like they sort of like framed it as a horror thing like mm -hmm. dude's the wolfman like i'm like oh cool that's an interesting way to talk about the hulk neat yeah and, and that's kind of what this movie right. is doing mm -hmm. too man okay so let's get into the backstory this took forever right they that was that's what i meant to 80s, say they were working in the 90s different they, they went in, almost went into they went into pre-production in the 90s and they shut it down i think some of the same producers to... on the television show were working on trying to make this in the beginning yeah. of its 25 year history yeah. to get on screen. Yeah, it's working on hard. working on it and then obviously Spider-Man mm -hmm. hits yeah. and they're like, "Okay, let's let's actually fast track this thing finally." Mm -hmm. And they they folded a couple scripts together cuz there were a lot of scripts. They they mushed a couple of them together. Some of the stuff in some of the dis d discarded scripts actually ended up in the 2008 Hulk, which I like. Um they actually pulled a couple and of good ideas. Gave it a release date before any of those scripts were finalized. Yeah, um, that's what it's oh it's always a bad idea. So they take first again an unknown Eric Bana. Mm -hmm. Um great. I love he's Eric. He's an Australian Bana. guy. You know him in Chopper. Hell yeah. He is a smallish part in Black Hawk Down and yeah, that's pretty cool. And I think he's really good. Uh, Jennifer Connolly is someone I can believe as a scientician. Mm -hmm. And but they also they fold in the confusion of who is Bruce Banner versus who is David Banner. And that's the thing I like. It's a different Hulk origin that is more complicated than I'm used to seeing. I'm mean, mm. seeing he's a scientist. He was doing a thing. He got irradiated. Now he's the Hulk. And it turns out, no, that should have killed him. But because his dad was also a scientist doing fucked up shit. Oh, boy. <laughs> and his dad loves that he's the Hulk. Now, Nick Nolte's character and performance is so fucking bonkers. Right. That it is Perfect. I think it's my favorite thing. In it's I, Diane. I'm exactly with you. I'm like, uh, this is better than the killer poodles. <laughs> I love killer poodle. There's only one poodle. Uh, I <laughs> went back and forth. Is Nick Nolte trying to be terrible, or or is this amazing? Or <laughs> he's been driven no. insane by his research. 
again, to the I'm, point I'm, where I'm with... he hates all of humanity and is disgusted by people existing. And he basically has bred his son to try to destroy the world. In a plan. <laughs> How was this supposed to work? How did this work out so exact? Uh, it, uh, don't think about look, it too long. He got fired, so he set off a nuclear blast. <laughs> that's the kind of guy we're dealing with. And that's before he was locked up in solitary for 30 years. But going he knew insane. his son would go work at the same company he did. <laughs> yeah. So he irradiated in his team. cells in, yeah. in knowing that. Way. The thing I don't I don't have a total problem with, because I think I'll need JR's help here. That This is Ang Lee, and he's like good at telling stories about people and like who they are and what they want. And But this movie, especially in the shadow of all the other Marvel movies, is so long and overwrought <laughs> and dumb. And <laughs> because Ang Lee didn't care about the Hulk. Mm -hmm. He didn't. He didn't nah. do this job because he really wanted to do the Hulk. This was a paycheck for him. And he went, well, as long as you're going to let me do this, I'm going to explore a bunch of other crap that I want to do. So he did his own thing. And I don't think it works. Okay, I, I think you can do a psychological Hulk. Plenty of Hulk comics have dealt with him having an abusive past. That's where they're pulling it from, the comics. Uh, the Hulk as a split personality. Uh, all of that. Uh, the Hulk as a psychological manifestation. All of that can be represented in your Hulk story. But I don't feel this does a good job. I don't feel oh. it does a interesting narrative structure. And it's far too long yes. for the story they're telling <laughs> i'm i really think they could cut an hour yes an hour out of this film and be fine yeah oh i see that is one of my complaints is that uh bruce banner is the least interesting character in the movie that's yeah. and they try to get into some of that but yeah that that ball gets a little i don't dropped, know that james thunderbolt ross will ever get this much screen time even yeah. though i think, he I was think interesting harrison like, ford he, is playing in the next movie Fingers you crossed for Red Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott does a fantastic performance. I absolutely love him as General Ross. Mm -hmm. The General Ross in this movie is a bit of an idiot. Yes. He is unbelieving that Bruce Banner could have forgotten something that he saw at four. <laughs> at don't tell me you don't remember what years. <laughs> mm -hmm. Your mother being murdered by your your Hulk dad. Yeah, don't. Yeah, tell me his mother that. was murdered in front of him, and then a nuclear blast happened in front of his house. You think maybe he might have blocked some of that out? You think maybe he thought it was a to dream? Understand when he was four? It, oh, Come on! I, and, and there's other things uh, like uh, Bruce Banner is dating the woman who has having a recurring dream of him as her father trying to kill her while she's a small <laughs> child. Hmm. Now, if you ever start dating someone. I don't believe in the supernatural at all. I just don't. It's it's not in my wheelhouse. But if you ever have a dream about someone trying to kill you as a child and it's a re reoccurring dream, and then you start dating someone who looks exactly like your reoccurring dream, run out the door. Run away that goddamn second. Now, okay, so here, here's the thing. Now, yeah. I am going to, I am defending this movie a lot. Okay. I think it is very flawed. I do not think it is perfect. I think, yeah, story-wise, there's there some definite issues, and there's some visuals where, where he goes a little too crazy with the panels that are really, like, when Josh Lucas gets exploded, that's one of the dumbest things I've seen in a long time, <laughs> where, that it freeze frames as a panel. But then there's sometimes where, like, it works when it's not being a comic panel. It's just being 
sort of multiple shots of a person as like over time as they're thinking and like how they're to express how they're feeling like there's a couple shots where they've sent the army after Hulk because he's trash in the place and you have like sam elliott talking into a phone rubbing his brow and and, like getting upset and it's like those are three panels and we know okay this is not not when he's he's, in his feels right now not when he's combining overwrought establishing shots into something that could be told with quicker cuts yeah but the transitions in this are fucking nuts i stuff i've never (laughs) no one else has bothered to do before and this is because it doesn't work well but we've complained so much about mcu movies and and other uh superhero movies is like not having an individual style Mm. that you know speaks to an auteur a director style and that the best ones do it, this is style has got too much fucking style and that's why i think it's not a complete failure it's like it's worth watching just to see what ang lee who is one of those guys who can do everything yeah he's a thoughtful guy i'm not like i just don't think his formula works here but he doesn't have a well i mean he doesn't have a formula over right. movies every movie is very different. different you know that like yeah set him loose and see what happens and sometimes it doesn't work I, out the way that makes everybody happy I did, like, I did like basically it, broke even this his, is, his quote most people did not like this his quote because like it was a big deal and and like semi-shocking when they announced this character will be all cg and everyone's like what that hasn't been done very well in anything but lord of the rings how don't do that and like now it's just like what are we arguing for lou ferrigno like just get get a bodybuilder well, in there I don't know yeah. because I watching the Hulk in twenty twenty three, I am like rolling my eyes every time he comes on board. Well, I don't uh, think he looks good in the current year. I don't think he up. looks interesting. I, gonna... I think he looks laughable. And yeah, I might have been up for a bodybuilder. Yeah. I was I, well, I mean like his his quote from that was like, Well, it's gonna be hard, but like I made Crouching Tiger and nothing will ever be harder than making that fucking movie, like <laughs> dangling millionaires from a ceiling over and over again. And 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 so that's a weird thing because like it it suffers from that thing where like Spider Man organically shoots webs from his wrist because that's going to be more believe Hollywood believing like no one's going to take this origin or character seriously unless we really ground it in some realism. While simultaneously, this Hulk is like very pleasantly green. Very mm. emerald, wonderfully very green. green. Yeah, and and when the Hulk finally does shit in like the last mm-hmm. half hour of the movie, that shit is amazing. And oh yeah, the it, jumping and the fight in the helicopter—they don't shy away from like Hulk ass powers at all. Like I didn't think they'd have him jump. Though he jumps like Superman originally did before he could fly, and characters hadn't really been seen to do that. And I thought it was bold to make him like very very green because there is something that bums me out about like Hulk's dull sun drenched sun faded turquoise in the mcu movies <laughs> i know what you're saying though because the, the character never looks real because he's mostly in a desert setting where that color in particular does not exist so he it sticks out i think way more than it would have he, he was a little muted but like mm. blah, blah, blah we know the tragedy like uh, you, you should know it. mark ruffalo is can't keep his mouth shut about it universal still owns the individual solo hulk movies so marvel cannot make those he can only appear in cameos and part of an ensemble but i think this you needed to see this movie to know how hulk worked and in in the mcu the greater mcu like no see in i feel like because we didn't grow up in the 70s -hmm. the hulk isn't as big to us but before spider-man from Mm -hmm. last year Hulk was their biggest property. No, I mean Spider-Man Hulk was, was the most bigger. famous. No, no, it, yeah, he was by yeah, a long Hulk, shot. Hulk is definitely number two. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Sp- Spider-Man and Hulk, and then there's probably a gap than maybe Captain America. Yeah, Spider-Man has like four individual and like uh, bi-weekly comics, like uh, Hulk didn't. But like, but uh, but the Hulk had a TV show that was true. watched by adults. It's true. Okay, adults watched the Hulk TV show in the seventies. And their, their knowledge about Hulk was his powers were basically being Kool Aid Man. He burst through walls. <laughs> yeah. He'd burn his hand on something. He'd turn into footage of Lou Ferrigno. And Lou Ferrigno would, like, pick up something and throw it. Yeah, there. shirt inflates, and that's what you get. And I, and I am still, like, admirable of, like, yeah, like, they really went for it in, like, portraying Hulk as he is to comic fans. And in, in a way that, like, I think it took too long to get there. But those sequences, yeah. if they're on YouTube, I think you should watch them. They're fun. They're really fun. And, and like... The MCU got to hit the ground running even without the Norton Hulk when, like, you understand how Hulk works, right? All right. We all do. That's what I was – not that this film is required viewing, but, like, the MCU didn't have to do a lot of explanation for what Hulk can and can't do by the time it got to it because of how this film well-established Hulk's powers. I'm giving yeah. – that's my compliment, and that's almost the end of it because it is yeah, too long. I guess. Well, yeah. I it, it is too long. It's It's, like, over two and a quarter. And, yeah, a lot of it doesn't work. Um, I think the visuals work though. That's the thing. I think if people just roll their eyes at them being like, uh, this is them trying too hard to be like serious or something. It's like, yeah, that's, they are taking it really seriously. That's part of what you should do. Mm. Like, this is a serious story. Like it was just during that period of like, and I always use this as an example is like, people won't love this Charlie and the chocolate factory thing. If we don't establish exactly how Willy Wonka came to be, yeah. It'll be fine. Like the the MCU, that's what I love about it. It trusts people. Like they'll come on board. They'll get it. We don't need to explain yeah. everybody's fucking origin. Yeah. So I mean that that is the problem though. Like it would be more interesting if they made a Hulk movie that wasn't an origin story and see what Ang Lee does with it. Turns out but it wasn't. But <laughs> the origin here is just so weird. Nicholas Cage yeah, just, biting. Yeah, the bringing his dad into it. It's like that. It just is very different than you know. I got bit by a radioactive blank. It's like no, my dad is a mad scientist, and I didn't know about it. Oh, That's I, fucking weird, guys. And I appreciate that. And it adds to this like his inner rage of like I am a horrible. Th- I'm already a monster before the green guy shows up. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> and, and 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 I should be a little honest here. Hulk is a weird character and I I don't have a I love grew up loving Marvel comics and never really loved Hulk or his villains or his stories and he works a lot better in an ensemble than he does on his own there's no Hulk villain I'm excited to see on screen there isn't and the the next that sounds like that was a major problem with breaking down the script of well who does he fight In the beginning yeah, himself, like uh, that's that's typically yeah. what it is. And Ooh. yeah, actually, one of the best Hulk villains is the Hulk from the future. I forget the comic line, but yeah. uh, in the future, the Hulk takes over the world and he's evil. And the only one they get, the only one who is strong enough to stop him is the Hulk from the past. Mm. Oh, I would see that. That is interesting. But yeah, I think that that also is reliant on there aren't a lot of expectations, even for me, a comic book fan, for how a Hulk origin story should be. Other than, in my opinion, World War II and the Atomic Age must factor in because that is just Mm. so important to me that all these. You know who is the best opponent of the Hulk? Uh, Who? Absorbing Man. Wolverine. Wolverine. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. love the way he's killed him. It's great. Lots of decapitation and brain penetration. Oh. yeah, yeah. Need Adam Mantua so, for that. Yeah, and it's it's fun, you know, as this movie progresses and they start realizing, like, we have nothing. We just have to let him 
go Hulk out. Let I him guess, Hulk out. We literally like we're firing firing missiles at him and nothing happens. Like he bites the end off it and throws it at somebody. <laughs> yeah, I think I think <laughs> just like they all give up. <laughs> like ah, oh, we're so the, the Hulk has the Superman powers. If you take the yeah. Hulk's powers literally, mm-hmm. the angrier he gets, the stronger he gets, and there's no limit. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's. He he can't really have a good opponent if he just keeps getting stronger the more beat up he gets. I I don't want to do this like shit on the movie because you can't not watch it now and consider like this is an abandoning the successful Marvel formula of how you portray a superhero. And it is. And I think that was a bold choice that I don't necessarily love, but like I'm glad that they did it, but I felt actual pain watching the movie <laughs> in, in a lot of parts because it's like this is so silly it, it, the, the, yeah. the, the, to ground it the way angley does it was i don't think it was a great idea but i'm glad someone did it so we can talk about it but like it's not worth watching in my opinion no no i uh i watched it with my son and that was a big mistake yeah we're well, uh, gonna get it, to the fireworks it does factory. not hold up to a child raised on the mcu yeah mm. uh for me personally, this was the last movie I ever saw in Japan. So it's mm. the close of an era for me. It's mm. like, okay, in two weeks, I'm going to move back to America. So all of my pop cultural memories from Japan have pretty much been summed up on this show so far. Wow. But it's, yeah, I, th- it's, I think one, one of the things you're thinking of, JR, is that like, I think Hulk, especially after the Disney acquisition, because they have a merchandising mechanism was like an instant sensation with really little kids as, in oh, terms yeah. of those merchandising. Oh yeah, smashing hands. Yeah, probably made more money than this. Yeah, movie. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> did those come about from this movie? Oh my god. Yes. Yeah. Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah. They, it, it was huge and understandably so. Like every kid kind of feels like the Wolfman and Hulk little monster that lives inside of you that you have to <laughs> soothe every once in a while. Uh, it's very relatable, and he's just a big fucking cool little Godzilla. Yeah, love him. Yeah. I don't think I give this a recommend for everybody, mm-hmm. but if you, yeah, if if you have superhero fatigue, you at least want to see them trying something different. Yeah, and, and, and no, for, big thumbs down for me. Do not watch this. I apologize for having my son watch it, and I apologize <laughs> for dragging my Japanese girlfriend at the time to watch it. Please <laughs> give me Yoshiko. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, a lot of bowing that night. Uh, yeah, I think. Oh, she wasn't. She was a trooper. I came out of it, and I was like the biggest comic book fan in the world. And this is 2003. I'm getting very few comic book movies, and I'm like, well, you know, it had some problems. And she was just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but 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 like also. What I was trying to like the reason why I don't fully like condemn it is the MCU formula didn't exist yet, and there were other Marvel movies such as Elektra, far worse and shorter uh, yes. th- than Hulk is, and even Daredevil to some extent, depending on which version you watch. Hmm. There were worse fu- X Men: The Last Stand, fucking terrible. Wolverine. Yep. Or- there were worse. There are worse. Marvel movies made before and after this, but it is ultimately an experiment that doesn't gel into something revisitable. <laughs> like I hope I, yeah. I, I like it's not it's not terrible, but I hope I never have to watch it again. And that's something we talked about on you know the bonus side, like Superman three. I watched it a lot. I hope I don't have to watch this again. Like uh, this is not good. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a good yeah. point. In what Mar- uh, what Marvel movies we get next is mm-hmm. they kind of give up on introducing new guys now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we're we're gonna get two more spider-mans we're gonna get two more x-mens 
Uh, Dude, yeah. Wow. That, that, sorry. I even and had then that the my... MCU kicks in in, uh, in 08. We only I, five I, years away. I had to add that in my notes. This shakes Hollywood's uh, idea that Marvel movies are instantly profitable. And this could be a, yep. a completely dominant genre. They, 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 a lot of productions kind of cease or halt or get congealed into more established heroes. And I just imagine people like Kevin Feige sitting at home like enraged. And, and Marvel people like, God damn it. This is how you bring Hulk to the screen. Not Hulk, but like, you know what I'm talking about. Like watching people fumble around with some beloved characters. And I didn't have that feeling at the time. I just fight and found this to be a misfire, but boring. And boring is really not something an MCU yeah. movie should be. In the I, 2000s, the next films are going to be in the Marvel, uh, Daredevil and Elektra, yeah. then Fantastic Four. Oh, oh. Uh, oh right. I forgot Thing, about Fantastic Four. Ghost Rider. And oh. then we're into the MCU. So oh. that's what's on the pipeline oh. until we get to the MCU. Oh. And, and, and right. So in, in, in that crop, outside of Spider-Man, Hulk stands very high. Its stature is very good. Uh, but that's... It's better than the Punisher movie starring Dolph Lundgren. Oof. I'll give it that. Yeah. 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 It's, but uh, yeah, if you can find good uh, HD 4K, because the, the version I watched on Peacock is 4K. They did remaster mm -hmm. it. It looks good. Yeah. Um, it looks really good. And... I, I, I chalk it down to it, it is a noble failure. Yeah. It doesn't end up yeah, working. There you go. But there is a lot of interesting shit in there. Right. So, yeah, if you just want something different, just to try it. Yeah, Mar Marvel has... Look at it hurt. Yeah, it's better than watching, you know, fucking Electra. Marvel has currently taken, Fantastic you know, lauded directors and sort of neuters their style. And that doesn't happen here. Hmm. And I, not a, I admire it, but I just didn't think it came... Anyway, I've said it a thousand times already. Hulk, very, very weird watch. I'd love to hear as much Hulk talk as anybody can muster in the Facebook group, community comments. Just, just let us know. I'd love to meet a person who loves this movie. I really would. Um, and I just want to meet the executive who was like, you know who we need for our, our action movie? We need the guy who made the ice storm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why the main villain is a dad. Uh, <laughs> Two dads. Those are, yeah. the, the the main villain is Nick Nolte to a some extent Thunderbolt Ross and Josh Lucas, who is weirdly the most evil Marvel character I've ever seen in any Marvel movie. He's a motivationless evil cur who you just want to see <laughs> die, but he has no power. Just a political. He doesn't power. need to be there, but yeah, whatever. Again, that's part of the one hour that you could <laughs> cut from this film and be fine. Oh, uh, yes, 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 yes. And then as we moved into TV, no Hulk, sadly, but a uh, pretty bare, very bare, actually. Paradise Hotel debuts on Fox 20 years ago. That's the only thing I could find I, this week, yeah, really. I the summer checked. doldrums I thought were less in 2003, but this week, nothing. It's, it's a reality show. You go into a hotel and you get voted off. We... The only other thing I saw, and I couldn't get a beat on it, the Orlando Jones show may have debuted on FX. I can't remember, but it's even hard to remember the celebrity of Orlando Jones, the Mad TV sketch member who made the 7-Up Yours t-shirt popular briefly, <laughs> got his own show on FX, a channel I did not have. So I, And it doesn't exist in many internet forums. But Paradise Hotel, the, the summer is when the networks just roll out reality shows. Yeah. And you get Paradise Hotel, which... Uh, yeah. mm. Mm. And and like in the top of the TV ratings list, it's all CSI reruns. <laughs> it's CSI reruns <laughs> as far as the eye can see. And then in terms of games, oh boy, a bunch of stuff I don't like. 
20 years ago, we got Mega Man Network Transmission on GameCube. Thought I'd love everything that Mega Man could do, but uh, not this stuff. I don't even remember what this was. Um, was this? Did this have some like tie-in with the portable Battle Network stuff? Probably. Well, I mean, it continues the event yeah. of Mega Man Battle Network game. So that's if that's why. a plot line you really want to follow, then I mean, this well, is the yeah, one for I was you. Trying to remember is like if you could actually use your Game Boy to connect to the GameCube, because that was something you could do, and most people didn't back then. But um, it, yeah. I don't think this game or Battle Network stuff, and then perhaps the lowest Laura Croft ever was um, Tomb Raider: The Angel of Darkness. I think the only PS2 game during that era. No, 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 no. There was, there was, there was more, but they essentially had to reboot it after this reboot, which makes her like a super spy, and it's like the lowest rated Tomb Raider in like the series history. It is. It makes. It turns this winning formula into something boring and rope that looks like every other game. And uh, they eventually recaptured the style later on with some of the older developers. But we streamed this on the Laser Time YouTube channel, and I was just shocked by how badly it held up compared to even the polygonal efforts of ten years, or seven years earlier. Last action hero redo redux because uh, this is they were being pushed to finish it before the game was ready, and with games, yeesh. That is not that good. is not the way to go. You you make a lifelong error there that cannot uh, that could hurt your property for a long long time. And Tomb Raider has been in con- constant searches of reboots and have found many successful ones. This being not one of them. Uh, I, I do believe it's the lowest regarded Tomb Raider ever, the Angel of Darkness PS2 game. But if you're willing to crack a book. There was other pop culture minutia news, but long before <laughs> Just Kidding Rolling became a national pariah due to bigoted uh, theories on this and that, uh, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix came out, and fucking great book, like a really, really fun book. I mean, this is such a awesome continuation of the trend of four of aging up the character with yeah. the audience. The audience is growing older each time the books come out and the character is growing older almost at the same rate. Not quite, but pretty darn close. And it keeps handling more and more complex things yes. in an excellent literary style. I Some people call this the mopey one and I don't feel that's fair because you got to remember the previous book ends with Harry Potter witnessing the death mm-hmm. of a fellow classmate where he's then sent back to his hellish home life, <laughs> ignored by his friends, and then the only parental figure in the world he trusts, Dumbledore, kind of pushes him to the side too. That's a lot to go through. Right. But you're also introduced to the goddamn resistance that's been taking place the whole time, expanding the universe. The whole serious black arc is like one of my favorite part about the series that I didn't feel was done. It wasn't focused on enough in the movies, but it's the movies, so it doesn't have a lot of time. But like, I love, yeah, I love the idea of the Order of the Phoenix. It, it tickles me. Well, we we all know eventually there's going to be some streaming television version of these books where they're going to explore everything (laughs) in detail each book is going to get 10 to 12 episodes that's happening full rita skeeter episode and oh Mm -hmm. goodness oh goodness get to see oh just taking place in the magistrates wonderful wonderful i look forward to an internet protest about that too oh stupid jk rowling just leave your just sell your sell your creation. I uh, don't need you to defend me. <laughs> uh, I don't need her to defend me. Mm. She says, "Oh, I'm doing all this for women to protect women." Yeah, mm. no, I don't yeah. need you to defend me in the bathroom. Yeah, I, I fight my own fights in the bathroom. Do you? 
No, actually, was... women's bathrooms, especially at bars where everyone's drunk, are like the most friendly places ever. It's true. Surprisingly we don't care clean. who shows up. Not, yep. dis- not disgusting. <laughs> They're slightly less disgusting, but mm-hmm. also uh, women bars, it's, it's like super supportive. Uh, everyone is like, oh, my God, your top is so cute. <laughs> he doesn't deserve you. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, and then uh, let's close out of 2003 with the... The song Timeless, which isn't, by Justin and Kelly from the movie Justin and Kelly. So you can right. hear a little bit of what you should never see. The movie bombed so hard, they decided not to release a soundtrack. Wow! For a musical <laughs> meant to sell records. Wow. Like, I always forget this is a piece of why that first season promise didn't really carry over. You're going to get a record deal and we're going to do all this stuff. Oh, this could go real bad. This could be, this could lo- not only go bad, but lose us a lot of money. Just le- just release the record. We yeah. don't need the rest of this shit. No one asked for this. And yeah. I'm annoyed that they didn't follow it up and they try to make a movie every single season because I want to see the Clay Aiken, Ruben Stuttered movie I... where they go to spring break and God knows what happens. That should be, that should be <laughs> what they do in between seasons. A TV yeah. movie with the stars of the previous previous one so you can remember oh, why you cared it's not a bad idea yeah. tv movie don't Keep yeah. it little don't make us yeah. see it and pay to see it in theaters if it's a failure at least we didn't pay anything if it sucks and oh and you gosh. could scrub it from the world a little easier uh back then and well anyway take us out justin mccalley we'll be right back with a final segment of 30 2010 don't go anywhere All the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner, where we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of June 16th through 22nd, oh, we got some fun anniversaries. Let's start 75 years ago, 1948. Uh, first of all, happy Windrush Landing Day to the folks in the UK, which is um, to explain for American folks, it was a ship called the Windrush and it came from the Caribbean with all kinds of immigrants because Britain was kind of decimated by World War II, guys, and they realized, oh, we could use more workers. Oh, we have, like, colonies and a commonwealth and stuff. Maybe we should let those people in and they could help us and bring us better food with spices in it. And, yeah, so that's a huge, most, maybe even the black population of the UK come from the Caribbean. And they're called the Windrush Generation of this this post-war immigration boom. And they're still talking about it today. So, yay, anniversary. And also, happy anniversary to the LP. Wow, is this an important thing for music. The LP, or the 33 and a third RPM disc, is introduced in 1948 by Columbia Records. And now you can play more than one song. <laughs> That's basically it. The 45, the little guy, you pretty much had one song. And you flipped it over. And they were like little devices that would like drop the next record and the next record. So if you're having a party, you could keep playing music. But eventually you're going to have to pick them back up and reshuffle them. And the LP means you can have an album that is like 15 minutes long on each side and can be a complete work. So 
that's how you get a Sergeant Peppers. You know, that's how you get, like I said earlier, you get an exile in Guyville where I can't pick out each song because I listen to it as a complete work. It takes a little while for that to become like a thing. The idea of like, what order do you put the tracks in? What mood are you setting as you do that? But by the time we get into the mid 60s, that becomes a major thing. And it's still somewhat is a thing today, even though people are more picky and choosy and, you know, picking songs instead of buying whole albums, listening to the whole album as a work. So yeah, in commemoration of that, go listen to a whole ass album from start to finish. Um, good thematic ones. I recommend OK Computer by Radiohead. I think that as a work just by itself, there you go. Album. And then moving forward in time, I'm going to skip ahead to 50 years ago this week. One more bit of news is the Supreme Court decision Miller versus California, which sets a standard for what exactly is pornography. <laughs> And this is important for anyone who writes anything or directs anything or stars in anything, even just writing online. What is filth? And this sets a standard. There's a three-part standard. It has to apply contemporary community standards by an average person uh, taking a work as an entire work. The whole thing has to be patently offensive because it has sexual or excretory functions and has no serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value as a whole. So if you wanted to go film Hamlet completely straight and in the middle of it have a scene where a guy takes a dump on a naked lady, that is not obscene because it still has artistic merit. So have fun, everybody. <laughs> go, go make some filth today. <laughs> and then also 50 years ago this week, Someone who would test this uh, limit every now and then, Lindsay Anderson, directed a movie called Oh Lucky Man, which, that's a long one. It's about three hours, and it's kind of one long shaggy dog story starring Malcolm McDowell, but it's actually, it's pretty fun. I like it as very indicative of 70s British cinema, of just sort of a guy, and he's trying to get by, and he's trying to move ahead, and there's lots of social commentary and satire and some good music, too. And then, finally, the two movies I really want to talk about turning 60 this week is Jason and the Argonauts. A movie entirely famous for one scene, even though it has a really nice score. Uh, but, you know, it's a sword and sandal epic. But it has, like, one of the best stop motion scenes of all time. Dudes fighting skeleton soldiers. You could probably just look it up on YouTube. But the movie itself is pretty short, so you could watch it in context. And there's other effect scenes, too. But, dude, whenever there is, like, a celebration of special effects, those skeletons always show up because they are so creepy. And then the big recommend for me, also from 1963... A movie that whenever I run into someone who's like, I don't know anything about old movies. I don't know where to start. I give up. Especially if they're a guy, I start them with The Great Escape from 1963. Starring Steve McQueen, James Garner, fucking Richard Attenborough. There he is from Jurassic Park. Charles Bronson, James Coburn, Donald Pleasant. Yeah, one of the best scores ever by Elmer Bernstein that I still hum to myself whenever I'm up to no good. World War II, very loosely based on a true story of them digging tunnels and getting out and coming up with so many little clever things along the way of how they're going to get out of the prison, get their guys to safety, split up, where they're going to go, what are they going to do? They got to get fake papers. They got to get this. They got to get that. Everyone is so cool in it, except James Coburn is supposed to be Australian and doesn't do an accent at all. And it's kind of embarrassing for Australia. And I'm sorry, but The Great Escape, besides just being super fun and Steve McQueen is being like the coolest guy ever, ever. It's, it's a good place to start because it's, stays exciting even though there's not a lot of action 
The characters are all really well developed and it has kind of a modern feel for a movie that's like 60 years old now. There is something, I guess it's modern because people imitate it so much because it's like so solid. So yeah, if you don't care about these recommendations they make every week, you don't know where to start with a, a modern feeling classic film, The Great Escape from 1963. Oh my God, watch it with your dad. He will love it. It is like the biggest dad movie. Anyway, that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming in with the song of the summer, 10 years ago, Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke featuring T.I. and Pharrell. It is number one and will be in the charts for a very long time to the point (laughs) I have read numerous articles celebrating this as the worst song of pop in recent memory. Uh, Hilarious. Ah. Oh, like, it's just odd how many things in the lyrics in the video Mm -hmm. you wouldn't be able to say or do just a few years later. But it still feels modern, but now it's 10 years old. And the funniest thing pointed out, like, Pharrell wrote all of this, but it all mm-hmm. fell on Robin Thicke for singing it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I think Pharrell had to cough up when the estate of Marvin Gaye came after them, though. This is true. This is true. Because this super totally rips off Got to Give You Up. It does. but Just like such a good song. I don't, I never like that legal precedent. Like, it's in the style, but it's not stealing directly. And, mm. uh Anyway, not qualified. Welcome to 2013, June 16th to the 22nd. Uh, other new music releases this week, in addition to Blurred Lines, like they matter. Fashionably Late by Falling in Reverse. Anthem by Hanson, or Hanson by Anthem. Born Sinner by Jake Cole. Watching Movies with the Sound Off by Mac Miller. And a little album by a man named Kanye Horatio West. Yeezus. Yeezus is out, and it's on Rolling Stone's best 500 album list of all time. I wonder if it'll be there if they revisit it. Uh, Death of the author, I guess. I I don't know. Does a man's personal life affect the quality of his work? It's you got to consider Kanye's Nazi sympathizing uh, period as a phase, an artist phase. Hmm. Remember, he is withdrawn and... I, didn't, I shouldn't even talk about it, but uh, hopefully he gets better. <laughs> and uh, not being in the public eye seems to be doing him wonders. Uh. A little bit of news to remind you what's happening 10 years ago. Ooh, Roskild? Roskild? Uh, the world's longest Viking longship at 37 meters or 123 feet is rediscovered in 1996, probably part of uh, King King Canute's Ka- 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 sorry, yeah. Royal Fleet built in 10, 1025 A.D. Uh, yep. Goes on display for the first time at the museum, uh, National Museum in Copenhagen. How do you rediscover a fucking ship that you can then display so it's not found at the bottom of the ocean? Okay, I... I had not heard about this news thing, so I looked it up. They discovered this ship and several others while they were digging to build an extension to their Viking ship museum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, if that was a movie, you'd be like too convenient. Cow can try. Yeah, no, they were ships that, you know, got ditched at the wow. shoreline and eventually they got buried under silt and, and they're underground. Yeah. Wow. And preserved enough to display again. That's fucking yeah. nuts. A thousand year old fucking shit. They just don't build them like they used to. <laughs> 
Oh, you couldn't do that with a like an unearthed Dodge Neon. Wow. <laughs> and I don't know why I never knew about this, considering all the Lu- the George Lucas research I've done, Patreon.com slash mm-hmm. time. George Lucas marries then DreamWorks animation chair uh, Melody Hobson, now chairman of Starbucks. They're still together. Wow. That makes the $4 billion he-, he got from Disney makes him seem a lot less... Uh, he didn't need that. He was married to the Starbucks chairwoman. Yeah, uh, he's married to the, yeah. st- the chairwoman of Starbucks. They have a kid together through a surrogate. She's the first black female CEO of a S&P 500 company. Yeah. So where's George Lucas been with all his money? He's married to a nice black lady who's very powerful. Yeah. He's yeah. St- sticking it to other and millionaires. Raising his first biological child who's going to be coming in August. Wow. Wow. Of 2023. He adopted a bunch of kids. But for whatever reason, this lady is the first person he has a biological kid with. And in tragic news, much so worth highlighting, we left it out of the death segment. Uh, Uh, James Gandolfini dies in Italy at the age of 51. I hate it, uh hate it, hate it still, and can't believe it's 10 years ago because I still... Mad probably isn't the right word. Sad isn't the right word. A little mixture of both and feel like, is nothing fair? Like, what the fuck? Wouldn't you love to see what James Gandolfini is doing now? Would have been doing now? Unbelievable. The man redefined television. He Mm -hmm. really did. You can talk about pre-Sopranos television and after-Sopranos television, and it's absolutely a defining line. And he is hugely responsible for that in his partnership with David Chase because his acting was movie-style acting on television. It was so incredibly rich. He was so incredibly passionate about his work Mm -hmm. that you can make a strong case that it killed him. Mm. He, uh, He had a lot of problems, okay? He had a history of substance abuse, which if you read anything about the making of The Sopranos, there are periods when he just disappears. Mm. He is just not up for filming, and he's gone. And he was taking probably Coke, lots of alcohol, lots of things, and he was dealing with anger every day. And you combine all those things, that's not good on your heart. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a line in The Sopranos where uh, he Tony Soprano was said... The way you eat, you're going to have a heart attack by the time you're 50. And James Gandolfini, Mm. the actor, has a heart attack at 51. To give you an idea, this is his last meal. Four shots of rum, two pina coladas, two beers, two orders of fried king prawns, and a large portion of foie gras. I'm starving. Whoa. (laughs) That's some fatty stuff. So can I go into whatever this this restaurant is in Italy? Like, hey, give me the Gandolfini. Uh, I'm <laughs> yeah. If you can finish it and survive, we'll get you'll get a T-shirt and your photo on the wall. Uh, Sorry to no. make light of it, but I'm trying. James Gandolfini, is, is, he would what Jr. said because uh, Oz was HBO's first prestige drama, and it very clearly gathers every TV actor in New York, and it feels very much like the content is premium cable but the acting is what you see on all these other dick wolf shows and gandolfini reading about how hard it is to film a sopranos episode because it is like a fucking film every time with location changes and all over the place and the nuanced performance of gandolfini a man nobody wanted i don't believe hbo wanted in that role because nobody knew who he was and then uh, i always point to if you want some cute gandolfini stuff such as 
did you not see that like that uh what you call it AP assortment of pictures with him and SpongeBob just cuz he's always going places with his kids. He was a, a shy dude and he did one thing on SNL trying to play himself and be mean to Tina Fey and you can see his level of discomfort and like whatever this is that I have to turn on to be Tony, I'm not turning on for SNL. Cuz he was even said he didn't want to come back after a while because of how taxing the role was. I think my favorite thing outside of The Sopranos for television is his couple appearances on Sesame Street. So they are yeah. so sweet. I'm afraid I of vegetables. Sometimes things, oh, sometimes things scare me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, no, everyone what, says I, he was a sweet guy. All his yeah. cast and crew just adored working with Everybody him. Everybody loved except him. for when he was on a coke bender. They tell great stories about him. He seemed like he was a man who got success late in life. And he was a bartender because he wasn't making enough money on his acting jobs. So before The Sopranos, and that just threw him so much success and so much fame, which he was not prepared for. Right. He's a, he's a dad. Yeah. That's why you get all yeah. those SpongeBob pictures. He's taking his kids to all these press events, to, but doesn't really do television interviews. Didn't do a lot. We could have no. had James Gandolfini on a fucking podcast, and we don't. No, we have him inside the actor's studio. He's yeah. a lot of fun because he talks about like how he looks just like his dad and his dad would mow the lawn in his boxer shorts and shirt while playing Tarantella music and embarrass him so bad. It's <laughs> like, I can imagine that so easily. But uh, yeah, um, we have, it, it is fun as we go, you know, sequentially through time and we know where things are going to go. Like we're talking about 1993 right now and we're going to talk about True Romance coming up. Yeah, And yeah. so many reviews were like, who the fuck is that Gandolfini guy? Oh my God, put him in stuff. And then a couple of years later, he's in Crimson Tide and Get Shorty. And people are like, oh my God, who the fuck is that guy? Put mm -hmm. him in stuff. Yeah. 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 So took him a little while. Mm -hmm. Like, we pretty much only get him for 20 years, but what yeah. an incredible 20 years that was. Yeah, it's not yeah. enough for me. Not enough. Not at all. No. Uh, no. Just the, the cameos he could well, have pulled. Oh, Chris, yeah. both you and I are not that far away from 51. I mean, it's not tomorrow, Jeez. but it's within Jeez. sight. Right. You know, my health isn't uh, getting any better. 51 is not that insanely far off to me anymore the way it was when I first watched The Sopranos. Oh, you'll have a heart attack at 50. That's fine. That's normal, right? <laughs> now I'm just like, what the heck? No, I mean... I don't know. If I could if I could die after a wedding in Italy on my way to Sicily to pick up a prize... <laughs> so bad. Uh, yeah. Sounds pretty good. Also, um, I want to make fun of people who made tasteless jokes at the time about how he's going to return as Gandolfini the white. And it's been 10 years. Oh. And he hasn't. <laughs> That's pretty good. He would have liked That's it. That's a good one. I hadn't heard that one. But... He would have liked it. He just assumed he had more time in this world. And, and, and I, most people can survive a heart attack given if you're close to certain facilities and I don't know where he was in Italy, but like not going to blame my people. They do good work over there. Anyway, moving on to movies of 20, 13. What the fuck is this? Nicole Oliver, Kathy Westluck, Tabitha St. Germain, Andrea Libman, Ashley Balls, Tara Strong, of course, My Little Pony, Equestria Girls. Did they get a movie? Did I miss this? They, no, they, that's it, exactly it went, what happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it went very briefly to theaters, but it's for television, really. This is the first movie I took either of my kids to. Really? Oh. Yeah. 
So my daughter was two and three quarters at this phase. My Little Pony was one of the few things we could watch together and have me not want to claw my eyes out. <laughs> so when uh, My Little Pony, Equestria Girls came out, I was like, okay, she's about old enough to go to a movie for the first time. I took her and I think she watched the whole thing. Nice, pleasant memory to have. But the movie itself is definitely a continuation of My Little Pony hey. Friendship is Magic Lore. Okay. They they absolutely take off where the previous season ended and then they have Twilight have her quest to become a prom queen make sense. Uh, they get sent to the human world where all the My Little Pony girls are now My Little Pony humans, which is crass marketing. But you got to realize <laughs> My Little Pony is a crass marketing juggernaut. The purpose is to sell toys. It was aired yeah. on exclusively on the channel owned by Hasbro. The ratings was oh. not their purpose. It was to sell shit. <laughs> Uh, but I feel yeah. like this is about when the brony phenomenon starts to really take off. Mm. Really? I just, I don't understand turning them into people. I thought the whole point was that they're ponies. I don't understand. I'm not going to try to understand. Why do I do I this did, to myself? I didn't, I didn't either. I didn't either. Cause I, I, I didn't, I don't want to use this as a knock against my little, I didn't have access to, to watch it if I wanted to, but also like Rick and Morty, because of the fans, like, I don't want to get in this show. I don't want to be the brony bothering the guy at the fast food it's restaurant for the derpy doll. good show. I know, people. I know. I'm, I'm kind of defended because I did watch it with my daughter, and it was like the only bearable thing I could watch for with a two or three year old. That is my memory yeah. of the show, despite not having memories of Friendship is Magic. This is way better than a crass show from Hasbro should be. And it has far more lore and far more character development than any comparable toy show. Too I can much thought of. was put into it, so it had to end. <laughs> it had to end. It ran like nine years. Did it? I thought it was only yeah. like four. Or the creator quit pretty early. Um, oh. I can't remember. But again, I, I didn't know. Uh, also, did not get to see Elijah Wood's Maniac. Uh, also from Andre Aja. Uh, yeah, there's there's Aja coming back as a screenwriter. I. I appreciate this more as an experiment than I do as a movie. Oh. Again, I'm a giant sissy pants and I'm not going to watch this, but I have watched the original, mm. but I was warned that this one was a lot gorier and more disturbing. And the original is pretty freaking grimy and disturbing uh, with Joe Spinell. But this is a movie about a serial killer um, who scalps women and it is shot from his point of view. POV, like, like hardcore Harry. Yes. Oh yeah. yes, exactly. <laughs> oh. uh, which I admire the chutzpah to put yourself <laughs> in the eyes of a serial killer. I mean, yep. that's a good attempt because we want to distance ourselves from the evilness. You know, it's I I'm trying to think of like other horror movies where you actually see the entire film through the eyes of the villain, mm. whereas like entire film, Ooh. entire film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we don't see Jason's side of the story. Mm -hmm. We don't see Freddy's side of the story. We're in the victim's hot eyes. tension, baby. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. There's somewhere you see parts or parts scenes. Yeah, but that's it's pretty never, standard. I think, it's I think never the, the villain story. The the right. Henry the portrait of a serial killer is somewhat given claim to fame of that. Like, but like it's also considered very hard to watch historically. Oh, it is. And, and... Look, it is. That is one. That's why I'm a weenie to this day. Mm -hmm. uh, that's uh, that's been in my list for a while. I uh, 
Say Oof. let it go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I watched yeah. both the original Maniac and this one, and oh. that's some yikes mm. there. But haven't watched Henry Portrait yet. I Ooh. had to yeah. for a class, it's... so that's, that's the only reason I have experience because it's all pretty tough. Yeah, uh, but so yeah, so you did let's... watch this Maniac. So how I how did. would you rank this Maniac? Because I'm a I, I feel <laughs> like it's a good attempt. I admire Elijah's dis- bravery to take certain roles commitment. like this. I mean, he could have just yeah. been, you know, playing the whimsical happy guy, but yeah, he the, the does romantic a... interest, but does a lot of horror movies because he loves them. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And he does a good performance as a maniac. I mean, it's it's almost like he doesn't enjoy what he does, and you can kind of see the compulsion that mm. is driving him. So I'd say it's a really good acting performance given that we're seeing it you know through first person essentially mm-hmm. i just don't think that's a great way to make a film <laughs> I, I you know there's not a lot of films that are first person narratives and i think there's a reason for that mm. yeah yeah uh... fair, fair enough and uh gore wise how, how they compare to the original because the original especially for the 70s is i mean pretty it's, nasty it, it's pretty nasty they're both pretty nasty i'm not a huge gore phobe but i'm not a gore file either i don't like seek out gore but i don't find myself being unable to watch it for the most part there's some exceptions anything to do with like eyes and i am Uh, out (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know this a lot like uh not as quite as much with high tension but Mm. yeah a lot of people a lot of critics on this were just like i can't Teeth, I, it's gore for the sake of gore and it's like no, i don't think it's gore for the usually, sake of gore no when there is gore for the sake of gore it, it's a lot emptier as an experience i think there's mm-hmm. a reason for it in this one yeah the reason is we want you to feel what it's like to be a serial killer and i mm-hmm. would say as far as any film can it succeeds in doing that okay <laughs> i have personally wanted to see that that's what it's a, I, uh... recommend if that's your thing if you want uh, to feel like a serial killer <laughs> watch this film okay. gotcha and then we'll move on to paris hilton i want to feel, go, go, go feel like a vapid teenager Ah, then, I, is there a movie for me? Boy, oh boy, if you like Paris Hilton, Gavin Rosdale. <laughs> no, I don't want to say it like that. Leslie Mann, Thaisa Farmiga, Claire Julian, uh, Katie Chang, Israel Brossard. I don't know. Emma Watson in The Bling Ring. The Bling Ring is upon us. Ah, yep. The Sofia Coppola joint based on the true story of vapid fucking teenagers <laughs> being so good at being vapid and celebrity obsessed as they keep track of when celebrities are out of town. And go steal their shit. <laughs> Just for the sake of having fancy shit. It's like barely even about money or anything. Or it's it's more about being near fame than anything. They are so fucking vapid and gross. And that's pretty fun, honestly. Yeah, I don't know why I missed it. I usually see a Sophia Coppola movie. Yeah. Um, Emma Watson in particular is really good. You know, it's frustrating because like the whole movie, you're kind of like, why isn't this movie condemning them more? And it's like that's your job. Yeah. <laughs> They're just telling you the story from their point of view. And their point of view is they want to break into, you know, um, oh, what was their name? Audrey somebody or uh, Audrina Partridge's house. They they want to break into someone from the Hills's house mm. and take their fancy expensive purses. I can don't. Why? Because they want to have fancy expensive purses like the person from the Hills. It's, it's a self-perpetuating cycle of vapidity. Mm. They're shallow. That's the fucking point. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, I'm sorry. I just I got annoyed by some of the reviews are just being like they should condemn this more. And it's like, well, they went to jail. What else do you want? Like, the, the do you not understand how satire works? Yeah. Well, you know, we talked about Spring Breakers as well, but these would go together well. That would yeah. be an interesting double feature, actually. Of like, yeah, the <laughs> the vapid modern Instagram obsessed girl, the movie. Yeah. Uh, in terms of, uh, we ready to move on to the next movie? Yeah. Yeah. In, in so. term in terms of like judging something based not on the merits of what it is, here's a little slice of something I consider just sort of emblematic of the most obnoxious period in zombies that I was very, very sick of. And mm -hmm. it's through no fault of the writer, creator, or even this movie, but it, Peter Capaldi, David Morse, Daniela uh, Cortez, James Badge, Dale, Ruth Nega, can I say that word? Judy, <laughs> Judy Bohine, Fana Mokiana, um, I don't know if I'm saying any of this right. Marielle Enos and Brad P Pitt. Uh, we got World War Z. President is dead. Europe's still dark. What is this? I don't know. Life as we know it will come to an end in 90 days. It's on us to change that. I'm scared. Keep your eyes on mommy and daddy. Be ninja quiet. How do we know they're coming? They're coming. Ready? So see what happens next. Tweet hashtag World War Z. <laughs> What a great way to date oh. this 10 years ago. Uh, yeah, you can see the rest of the trailer if you tweet the official account. Uh, so I read World War Z, the book, before I the movie came out. read most of it yep. and just got kind of annoyed and bored. It wasn't bad, though. It wasn't bad. It was just my... See, I love the book. Yeah. I'm completely different. I'm a history geek, yep. and it was like, wow, this is... The whole point of the book is it's a after-action report first-hand narrative of people who survived the zombie apocalypse. And it's taking a historical view of the zombie war, talking about what would this actually be like, getting really in-depth, seeing all the ways that human society can fail. You know, uh, we've got the greed coming through, causing the zombie outbreak to get bigger. We've got incompetence coming through, causing the zombie outbreak break to get that, that was that was got... that was max brooks's thing mm -hmm. son of mel brooks and I, maybe this has something to do with it i was attending a lot of cons at the time he wrote the zombie survival guide and then would give these like massive symposiums on what if zombies were real like that's really what he would he would tour around the country including places where i had to be places and his crowd was always blocking my work so that's, <laughs> so it's part of it it's part of yeah, like my greater annoyance at the property yeah it, so it's not fair I mean, to where was he i love mental puzzles like that i love to think of possibilities and probabilities right. and how various factors would interact in reality and the book gave me that and this movie has everything i loved about the book's title Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. nothing else nothing else there no. there is so much gold in the book and the movie tosses it all away which i don't get because they paid a fortune for the book there was a bidding war Dude. various actors wanted to do this and then they just threw it all away yeah, yeah. well they have I think their their central problem is they want it to be world spanning and show how the outbreak happens in different places and their different problems that come from it, like in the book. And we have a model for doing that. We talked about contagion mm -hmm. like not even a year ago. And this is technically an outbreak movie before it becomes a zombie movie. And you could do it that way where you have multiple stories going on simultaneously, except 
Brad Pitt bought this with his production company. This is a Brad Pitt vehicle. So he's got to bounce around to all these different places, which gets kind of annoying and stretches credulity that's like really you're gonna waste the fuel to get a guy from south korea to israel on a hunch oh i thought thought you were talking just talking about wasting the potential of its success because i don't think brad pitt was interested in this being his mission impossible this is the highest grossing zombie movie ever made and and has continued like making now you made me sad continued making (laughs) games and stuff well it kind of was like Every zombie movie kind of had it's this with a twist. And this is just like, Mm. fuck all effects based Independence Day of zombie movies. And I've seen parts of it since then. I'm like, I need to go back and fucking watch this and give this a a fair shake. It has good parts. That's the problem. Again, we're back to the it has good parts, but does it hold together as a whole? Kind of like with Hulk, where it's like, yeah, it has some good ideas. It has some good parts. I think my big complaint is that like, Every other zombie movie is actually about something that's not zombies, mm, and this isn't. I don't see what that is, unless it's a pandemic, but not really. I don't know. Like, I don't feel like this has another message or meaning besides the spectacle of all the zombies climbing on each other to build a bridge like ants, which is cool. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, and Romero but... could only show you like four or five yeah. of them at a time. But this could show you the, hundreds. Yeah. The book had that. The book was definitely talking about how our institutions can fail us and what do we do when our institutions fail us. That's a theme. They could have absolutely gone with that, and they don't. Um, I watched this with my son. He enjoyed it. He hasn't experienced a lot of zombie media, though. This Mm -hmm. is probably the first zombie film he ever saw. Really? So, Hmm. yeah. I can't think of what else he would have seen unless yeah. you're talking like cartoon yeah. zombies on Disney shows or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, the first full-on zombie film, this was it. He's finally old enough for some of that as long as it's not R. Uh, you know, and is that's not, the other thing. R? This should have been... Oh. It's not R. It's no. PG-13. No. Yeah. They are very careful to... If there's something that should be gory, it is just out of frame. Wow. Someone's arm gets cut right the fuck off, it is just out of frame. Oh. Yeah, yeah this should they should have gone for R. And I think next week we're going to talk about a super popular uh, R-rated zombie film uh, that was a huge success. Uh-huh. And there oh, there are wait. moments of greatness. I will say this. I watched it in 2013 when I had a nine-month-old son. And there's a scene when Brad Pitt has just shot someone and a cop is running towards him in the supermarket. And the mm-hmm. cop just utterly ignores the dead body to grab baby formula. And in 2013, when I had a nine-month-old son who needed baby formula to live, that was a, wow, I'll put that in my mental wee house if everything Mm -hmm. goes to shit sometime. Because absolutely, your baby Mm -hmm. does need formula or they'll die if you don't have uh, the ability to breastfeed. Um, So there's moments like that which have a lot of heart. But there's so much to this film that is just like wasted boring you're not doing the interesting <laughs> thing and like the hulk i watched this both in theaters and i rewatched them both for the show and i'm never gonna watch either ever again <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I, I don't know that we throw that slam around enough for movies we watch in the show yeah. Yeah. i will never yeah. watch this again i i don't know if i'll ever watch this again like it's 
it's fine. I, I feel like there is a lot of potential that's wasted. And that that is one of my big complaints. I did enjoy that it opens in Philadelphia and the, the opening of like, I don't know what's going on. We're stuck in traffic. Something bad is happening. That, that gradually getting worse feeling like that was, that was a pretty good sequence. And then, you know, whenever they'd show people like running amok in Center City, I was just going, Sixers rule! Woo! Sixers rule! <laughs> it's just a Tuesday in Philadelphia. I don't know what they're so upset about. <laughs> and then later, though, I did call foul later when they're like driving and he's like, yeah, yeah, we're heading north on the I-95. And I'm like, bitch, that's not the I-95. The I-95 is in the ground right now. Isn't that, isn't that nice how someone who cares considers zombies forever rooted to Philly? Oh, Isn't I that guess cute? That's nice. But yeah, yeah this was a production nice. nightmare. Brad Pitt oh, and his director stopped talking to each other at one point, which is oh. eesh, not a good sign. Yeah. There, there was a massive rewrite. They filmed it and then they hired a writer who said, You need to refilm the entire third act. And that is never, mm. ever done. But they did it. Wow. I was going to say, usually mm -hmm. impossible. Yeah. They just went, this isn't working, so we're going to refilm the final act. They were going to do a giant battle of Moscow, and mm. that would be more keeping in line with the books. Because, God, I don't like the fact that Brad Pitt finds the cure. Okay, it's not the mm. cure, but it is like camouflage, and it's like the magical wonder thing that allows everything to be end on a happy, fun note. And they try to show, oh, the battle's not over, but really, your movie is, and you're <laughs> leaving me on the wonder drug that's going to make everything fine-ish. Mm. It's not going to be fine, because we've been through a pandemic now, and we know how many people will be like, the hell you're injecting me with something that could be lethal i'm not getting no the undead jab way. no never. yeah it's full of 5g nanobots <laughs> and like, yeah no there's and we see so many zombies there's so many of them I'm like I, yeah i think we're kind of fucked yeah i i I, like I said, once once I got the idea in my head of like, what if you did contagion with zombies? I was like, God, I wish I were watching that movie because, yeah, I want to see the different things that happen in different perspective from different perspectives more. I think that's more interesting. We do get like little bits and pieces of that. Like one thing they kept from the book is that Israel has a wall, has it ready, shuts that shit down. But then they start letting Palestinians in and you're like, oh, good for them. But then. Um, that just draws zombies because they're like singing a song of unity. I mean, like, oh, God damn it. The second you let in the Palestinians and the zombies showed up. I don't like what you're saying, movie. And it, uh, yeah. the, the, I'm going to give one final plug for the book, which I think should yeah. be remade as a 12 episode there or multi-season TV show. That's the way to go because the book is willing to go to some dark, dark places. Uh, mm. Spoiler alert for the book. You don't want to hear it. Skip a forward like two minutes. Do you know in the book how they saved the planet? No. It's called the Redeker Plan. It was uh, developed by a white South African who was coming up with a plan. What are we going to do if all the black South Africans revolt? And his plan was we have to leave some whites behind to draw off our enemies so that we can be stronger in some areas. So we'll use our own people as bait in order that some of us will survive. And they adapt that to the zombie apocalypse, where some survivors are deliberately put in situations where the people in charge know they will die, all so that it will draw zombies away from areas they think they can control. Everybody draws straws. How, 
That's how dark the book is willing to get. And that's the thing that saves the day. Mm. Sacrificing your own people to the zombie horde is what saves the day in the book. Also taking to the sea. That was one of the the things I thought about in in the book. The idea of like how many people basically set up colonies in the ocean sort of haphazardly with all these boats. And well, how do you feed those people? Oh, I guess whales are extinct now because of that. (laughs) I'm more fascinated by this idea as this is very successful and even though there's a bunch of money involved it remains an abandoned ip in terms of movies that they just walked away from any sequelization of this and they kicked it around and they david fincher signed in negotiations to direct another one because why Uh, it was a guaranteed success uh why not go for broke and just that like the turmoil on the set and brad pitt's producer status like wow so it's nice to see when money isn't the only language that a company speaks because there was there's almost no reason to not follow this up this is probably younger kids favorite zombie movie it is one of the most lavish post to the group or uh, at me at twitter if the 2019 world war z game is any good it got good reviews more better than the uh, the other world war z game because it that's but it's continued on iPhone and Xboxes, just not in movie theaters. It seems weird. It seems weird given yeah. uh, given the name recognition. You in, you kind of instantly know what it is. How cool is that? Yeah. Like even if you haven't mm-hmm. seen the film. Ooh, another brand I wish had been abandoned. Not nah, that's nah, too harsh. That is too harsh. But the number one film at the box office this week, Alfred Molina. Look at this. It's one of my favorite casts in the history of this show. Mm. No women though. <laughs> <laughs> Aubrey uh, Plaza. She's the true. only. Uh, no, uh, one other woman. Alfred Molina, Charlie Day, Dave Foley, Sean Hayes, Joel Murray, Nathan Fillion, Helen Mirren, Steve Buscemi, John Goodman, and Billy Crystal in Monsters University. I'm officially a college student! The first time they met... James B. Sullivan. Mike Wazowski. It was teacher's pet. The answer is C. A bowl of spiders. Correct! Versus party animal. Yeah! You don't need to study scaring, you just do it. From Disney Pixar. This guy's a Sullivan? Like Bill Sullivan, the scarer. He's my dad. My chances are just as good as yours. He's not even in the same league with me. This summer. Mom! Monsters University in 3D June 20. This this is like the perfect example of some of my problem with Marvel stuff. But also like there is a genuine Pixar magic. This movie is fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think it's a all right, rank it among Pixar sequels. No, not that's against... not fair. <laughs> yes, it is. That's not it's fair at all. It's a sequel. It is a sequel. And the only good Pixar sequels are Toy Story movies, period. And, yeah. and, and so I'd it's say a fine movie. It's not as good as the Toy Story well, that's, sequel. Well, that's not, that's not my issue with the film. It's that Monsters, Inc. is really, really fun. And I said it before, it got ruined for me. I saw it in theaters, loved it. And then somebody in my friend circle, their parents rented a beach, like a massive beach house and invited us all to it. And, you know, I'll sleep on a floor for a free beach house. And the kid there watched this four times a day, every day. So only thing that was on TV for weeks was Monsters, Inc. And I'm like, I'll never need to watch this again. And I kind of haven't. It's maybe my problem with prequels, but like all this is, is a college movie. That's it. Like, it's just... Really, Pixar took an 80s, a cliched horseshit 80s story and just adapted it to these monsters because they kind of 
changed their world. I get why that's hard to follow up on the first Monsters, Inc. There wasn't really anywhere to go, even though Disney Plus would eventually do it, and everyone would forget there is a monster. <laughs> you probably have a free Monsters, Inc. sequel out there, and you don't even know it. I didn't know that. <laughs> Monsters wow. at okay. Work. It's on Disney Plus. I made it episode and a half. But yeah, that this is a 2013 movie with a 1987 plot of a thousand other movies. Like, why are... Why it's it, maybe it was that problem of like when Pixar so when they gave Pixar that sweetheart deal where they ended up owning a bunch of Disney stuff and rather than like that wonderful trajectory of like every movie is different it just became like Cars two Toy Story three Toy Story three is might be my favorite Toy Story so I don't mean to shit on the idea of a Pixar sequel outright but I don't like Cars two and I don't see the need for this at all. Well, I was pleasantly surprised Me by too. this because overall I think it's pretty good and yeah it is mostly just a regular college movie it takes it a while to hit the snobs versus slobs but then it does and then it, it takes off generally it's a little slow getting there but once it gets there and it gets to its final lesson that it has for you is i was kind of shocked by how grown up an idea that was it is like you could work as hard as you fucking can and you could try so hard and want something so bad and you could not get it mm -hmm. and that's okay because you're still really good at lots of stuff and right. there's people but there's also people who have natural talent for something and they just walk in and do the thing and that's not enough either mm. that's a great lesson for kids i, I could have used that i still think pixar is more valuable lessons than every one of its other movies this just felt like a waste of time. Just another way to like wring usage out of these characters. And I didn't feel like I learned or this is maybe like too lofty to foist upon the Monsters Inc. But like we didn't learn anything about them that made them special or good. And that wasn't really important in the in Monsters Inc. movie. It's not why oh, it's a perfect I thought, film. I thought we learned plenty about them. We learned that right. yeah, that uh, Mike Wazowski wants to be as scary as possible. That's his lifelong dream mm -hmm. is to be the scariest monster ever. And he learns everything. He crams and he studies and he works. And he is too goddamn goofy and cute. And he will never be scary. I don't know. On certain days, it's Toy, Toy literally, Story... Literally, he was born with it. You could look at it as being about race or privilege, yes, too. Privilege, Very easily. I agree. But, like, still, on, I don't think it does anything for the franchise. And there's certain days where I might even declare Toy Story 3 my favorite Pixar movie. This is nobody's favorite Pixar movie. How is that even possible? Uh, How is that even possible? Little, there's a lot of little kids little out there. Little kids. Uh, this is who, who a lot impress of themselves on first... college students. <laughs> oh yeah, yes. this is a lot of kids' first college movie. I guarantee you. Yeah. I don't know what college is like. Pixar, show me what college is like. Go watch PCU, kids. No, I... no. <laughs> right? Because I don't know why this this I don't know why it's worth revisiting this genre other than to fucking sap because you're everybody. old and kids are young and they haven't lived through college. I, I maintain this was a pointless film, and I it like it resolved ex almost exactly. I, I hadn't seen it in a while, and it gave me left me a bad taste in my mouth at the time, and that wouldn't come out until Inside Out, where I'm like, mm -hmm. yes, they can still do this, and Pixar still. Goes back and forth between something I feel like that was heartless and then yeah. yay turning no, red. I, yeah, I'm not going to say that this is one of their great films. I'm definitely not going to compare it to something like Inside Out or even the first Monsters, Inc. Mm -hmm. But it definitely exceeded my expectations. My expectations were I was going to, it was going to take, you know, an hour, 45 minutes. I was going to chuckle twice and then I was going <laughs> to go, well, what was that about? And the fact that it had a lot more heart than I was anticipating and had like, yeah, a, an actual message you could pull out of it i was pretty impressed and and as usual the animation is 
stunning. Great yeah. visual gags and stuff. That, oh like, my god! Just watch. I spent yeah. like ten minutes of the movie watching the reflections in Mike's eyes and how yeah, perfectly they track to the environment. It's insane. Yeah, I don't know why. How I'm beautiful this movie is. Being such a fuddy duddy, a stick in the mud when it comes to this movie. It just. I don't know. Like this is a period where, like, am I ever going to love Pixar movies again? And I would the next the next year. But yeah, I still I still don't like it. I still wish it didn't exist. Yeah. No, I I thought that it was it was going to be completely cynical, uh, closer to Cars too, and it was just a lot better than I anticipated, and I ended up enjoying it. Yeah. yeah. It does take too long to get to where it needs to be there to you go. the actual slobs and sob stuff. That's my big complaint is that it it spins its wheels too much at the beginning just can't believe my biggest recommend this week is last action hero how did that happen we don't pick destruction <laughs> the show people uh anything else for monsters university uh nope. and, and, and recommending it. Yeah. moving on to tv 2013 uh june 16th to the 22nd i did think this was fun to mention cause the show among other things is about the passage of time uh i never watched uh what is it hot in cleveland but mm-hmm. Kind of like the idea of like TV land taking the Avengers of sitcoms that it's airing and making its own sitcom. (laughs) And Betty White's bowling team is introduced and it's, who is it? Mary Tyler Moore, Valerie Harper, Gloria Engel, (laughs) and Cloris Leachman Leachman are members of her bowling team. Massive Mary Tyler Moore reunion. And it is really weird to think about. We lost every single one of those people within like four years. And mm-hmm. they were they were capable of acting in sitcoms and then gone. That's how like the ten years. It doesn't seem th- this segment of thirty twenty ten never feels like that long ago. But like to lose <laughs> the whole cast of Mary Tyler Moore in between, then Jesus. It's because mm-hmm. your difference between thirty five and forty five. Yeah. It's something. It's there. It's significant. Your difference between seventy five and eighty five <laughs> is usually not. Yeah, but it's it's uh, mortal. <laughs> yeah, it's mortal. But uh, yeah, I just thought I'd call that out. Also, this week and stuff I extremely don't care about the NBA Finals. No Jordan. No, no Charles Barkley. It's it's Miami Heat. They retain their title. They beat the San Antonio Spurs. The MVP is of course LeBron James, whom I I do not hate, despite what I'm saying about sports. The episode of Futurama, though. Ha ha. There, I'm back in. Fry and Leela's big fling. Yeah, this is a, another really funny episode. I mainly threw it in because of the Google AdSense thing earlier on. Mm. Uh, where is this, it's about, we're in the co- the Comedy Central years yes. where mm-hmm, it came mm-hmm. back? Okay. Yeah. Just checking. And uh, they, they have this bit about targeted ads. Why is it so impossible for two people to be completely alone? Are you and another person finding it impossible to be completely alone? Now what? It's targeted advertising. Can you shut it off? Only if I cut off my arm. I'll get a knife. (laughs) (laughs) But I I know we've all had those moments where we're talking about toothpaste, and then next thing you know, you see an ad for toothpaste on your scroll feed. Oh, no. I I had an even more horrible revelation. Like, what's going on with my Facebook page? These obviously aren't real women. Wait, that's a porn star. Why would it think I want to be friends with... Is my incognito browser not working? <laughs> no, you can't do this to me. And ah, uh, well, at least the sense of shame made me not want to do it for a while. That's bad. That's bad. <laughs> you should leave that alone. Uh, I love that we have a comedians in cars getting coffee episode highlighted here because. 
don't think Jerry Seinfeld gets enough credit for making the most expensive podcast of all time. Uh, every <laughs> every piece of enjoyment you'll get out of the show could have been done sitting in Jerry's garage talking to like the com- the biggest comedic icons in history. I love him and Jerry. And Jerry Lewis Jerry like Jerry wouldn't do we're, it. We're the most famous Jerry's. Like yeah, and like <laughs> yeah, I didn't need a fucking three hundred thousand dollar car and eighteen GoPros to bring me that moment. <laughs> what your what the studio is paying for is Jerry Seinfeld to be interested in doing a podcast. Ah, and the I only see. way he's going to be interested if it's cars and coffee, as he explains to David Letterman <laughs> his thought process in this clip. So the the other question question is uh, to me and i thought about this uh could we have done the show without cars could it be just comedians no. comedians getting coffee no comedians playing cards no getting coffee no comedians fishing getting coffee no has and, to be and, cars. and these are just my theories they're personal i don't know if they're uh, they hold water but these are my theories i think part of what makes the show watchable is it's moving Mm-hmm. That there's an energy. Right. When you have no narrative drive, you're not telling a story. No one's waiting to see what happens. We know they're going to get coffee. That's the only <laughs> story. Right. Um, you need uh, uh, a kinetic energy. So it was like take a talk show and make it move mm-hmm. and, and make it outside, and then maybe you could sit through the 11, okay. 12 minutes, whatever. It is. I, I <laughs> <laughs> Who am I? One of my favorite moments, let's say it's from 20 years ago on Tough Crowd. At the end of the show, they have the comedians like, give advice to your past self. And Jerry Seinfeld's like, I got, I've got four Porsches, a private jet, $100 million in syndication money. Who am I to go back and argue with my former self about anything? And like, <laughs> who am I to argue with Jerry Seinfeld about any guy doesn't uh, knows what he's doing. I just saw yeah, him live but- and he was amazing. Every one of these comedians and cars that I've watched, I've enjoyed because I've only watched the ones who comedians I know and like. It's like, I know I like that guy. So one of these days, I'm just going to pick one where it's like, I have literally never heard that name and see if I enjoy it. You know, actually, to the show's credit, and I've seen very passively seen some of them, you know, like playing them while I'm doing something else because they are a podcast. Following people that long instead of just a talk show segment or a podcast segment there's always like a real genuine moment at one point that they leave mm. in that you probably wouldn't have gotten unless someone was playing in this format for multiple hours to be less guarded. Well, th- they record about four hours of conversation yeah. and interactions, and then they edit it down to like a 20-minute segment. Yeah. So, wow. And yeah. it always has one moment per episode that is like, that's amazing. That's hilarious. Or hilarious. Or I never would I don't know that that answer wouldn't or anecdote would have come out if not for this premise. Anyway, moving on to another show I care even less about sports than Danielle Bradbury on Team Blake Shelton wins the fourth season of The Voice. Ah, Danielle Bradbury. Where are my Yay. Bradbury's at? Is she going to make a movie about spring break? <laughs> She's going to make a webisode. Then I'm not interested. Yeah. She's going to make a webisode. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Moving on to the video games of 10 years ago, 2013. Uh, Bugs versus tanks. How can you lose with that kind of formula? <laughs> what? <sighs> what is happening? So, <laughs> This is set in World War II. Okay. A literal World War II battalion fighting the Nazis gets shrunk down, and instead of fighting Nazis, it's fighting bugs. So 
Uh, yeah. okay. Sorry, Anne Frank. We would have been there a few weeks later, but those Grexhoppers <laughs> were really tough. We were talking uh, about this on, on, on Video Game Apocalypse because it seems like a format that should exist. This was part of an anthology game series, at least in Japan, by notable game developers. And it's where we get the wonderful Attack of the Friday Monsters, like a little kid's perspective on a Godzilla attack on his town that isn't necessarily action-oriented. But like, it's the kind of game that wouldn't get a green light Unless you had like a Twilight Zone-esque, VHS-esque place for notable Japanese uh, game creators to let, come up with a crazy concept and see it through. It doesn't have to be a whole game. And they eventually was released here as a whole game, maybe fleshed out a little bit. Also out this week, is it just Neverwinter, JR? It's just Neverwinter. Neverwinter for PC and stuff. Yeah, this is D&D's second MMO uh, the first one was D&D Online. It's kind of a fairly standard RPG, to be honest. I don't know it at all. And But very even weirder, not even as a point of pride, I've played like almost everything with Mario in it outside of some spinoffs, but main Mario-ass games, not this one. I have never gotten around to it. I might have it. It's a good game. So we are starting the year of Luigi, year people, of Luigi. with Ooh. new Super Luigi U. Uh, they change enough of new Super Mario U. Which that it's is my least favorite Mario game ever. I hated it. I don't yeah. know if it was it was due to the inputs of the Wii U, but it like, why am I mm. bad at this? Like I played the, every game in this series and this isn't working for some reason. Hated it. If you hated that one, I don't know if I'd recommend this it's, one. It's but why I everyone... didn't. But I gotta buy it. So I, it's in my house somewhere. <laughs> I, I don't know. If you're looking to kill some time it seems like a good way to do it because this is a pretty solid game honestly yeah it came out as dlc and then eventually its own thing its own physical copy is out there you it's can green buy and in the green case instead of blue and i love that the year of luigi was so like such a fun thing to do they extended it so it was like the year of luigi was like 19 months it, <laughs> it lasted a long time it's always the year of Luigi in our hearts. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, that is. Uh, yeah, the real year of Luigi was Nintendo's worst fiscal year of all of the 120 <laughs> year history. Wow. And that includes World War II. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Wow. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. Oh, no. Oh, so. so we're pretty much done with the show. We got one more segment left where we tell you the the people who unfortunately passed away during this period of 302010 and we'll do a little quiz you can play along with about who was born. And but we, we do get, give us some plugs like patreon.com/lasertime. Bunch of extra shows over there. Got some stuff in the Twilight Zone, Tokyo Japan, uh sorry, Tokyo Disney. Uh, not just the, here's some facts about it's gross national product. No, to, <laughs> Matt went to Tokyo Sea, which is to this day the world's most expensive theme park and newest Disney park. No, no, never mind. But uh, yeah, that and um, we're yeah talking about more episodes we record about 80s in depth, taking Diana's classic corner to its logical extreme. I listen to Video Game Apocalypse. Uh, this week we'll be going over the not E3 news and as fast as we can. All the new stuff that uh came out during this not E3 event. Should be fun from three people who are or were actually in the games industry, not just people who complain about things they don't get. That's what separates our podcast. Semi-professionals. By Semi is just me. Diana, where can people find you? You can find me on the Twitter at ListenNerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, that's 302010podcast, where we'll tell you about what's coming up and what we recommended this episode. Coming up next week, though, we have a fucking banger mm. first up we have the second of the white house under attack movies for 2013 <laughs> 
We have, I don't know how you felt about World War Z, but we have the daddy of the fast zombie genre. Ooh, okay. All right. I thought Love about it. trying to fudge the dates and have us talk about them together. The dates were too solid. It didn't mm -hmm. seem fair. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about this movie on its own cool. very much. We also have, um, God damn, your mom's favorite movie because Tom Hanks is really sad because his wife died and he can't get no rest. Mm. Mm. And then it's finally here. A film so perfect, so beautiful. It is beyond what the French would call cinema verité. It is like truth itself <laughs> in the form of cinema. A movie so personal, so moving. Next week, we're doing The Room. Oh, fuck. oh, 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 just I, there's no viewing. I've ever walked out of there and said that wasn't fun. That was a waste of time. Oh, oh. Uh, and if that wasn't enough, we've got a real banger because we are going to talk about arguably the biggest bomb in all of TV animation history. Ooh, yes. Ooh. Hot off of our Twilight Zone thing on Patreon ties in. We mentioned it. David Letterman will leave late, late night. Mm. The best show ever made on Showtime premieres. <laughs> wow, high, big wow. qualifier there. Uh... <laughs> and I... If you ask me how I'm doing, I'm going to say, not great, Bob. <laughs> and, and, and I believe one of the weirdest and worst resurrections of one of the most, the biggest pop culture phenomenons of all time. Very short lived, mm -hmm. uh, animated. Mm. Holy Lord. We are going to also see the debut of one of the biggest console bombs of all time. Mm. Oh. And Spanakopita. Spanakopita. <laughs> Is the console bomb one that I was supposed to put sideways on my head? <laughs> No. Damn. <laughs> it's basically. I a, love a, that one. As uh, we'll talk about it next week. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, who died? Okay. In 1993, that's when we lost William Golding, who was 81. He's the guy who wrote Lord of the <laughs> Lord of the Flies. I almost said Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Flies, everybody. So you know, now we have something to refer to when everyone loses their shit. And also, <laughs> we lost same age, 81, uh, Mrs. Pat Nixon. Oh, uh, that it's so Pat. weird. I was hardcore Googling. I think it was it was pictures of si the, the, the Sid and Marty Croft theme park and the Land of Oz theme park. Pat Nixon is in both pictures of those. What was she? That sounds like the she has having the best time as first lady, just going to a bunch of weird theme parks that would shudder quickly. Could you imagine hmm. saying yes to Richard Nixon? <laughs> I love the story For that it. It, for everything can you pass the salt fuck you nixon because she didn't for a long time and he waited her ass out mm -hmm. and to their theme park loved i love nixon's like i'm not a crook double p sign is happening at epcot like <laughs> <laughs> after his resignation they love theme parks those two it was so cute that's true the the Nixon Presidential Library and Burial Ground advertises itself as being Minutes from Disneyland. Wow. I will never stop talking about that because wow. it's funny. And then, uh, anyway, mm. in 2003, we lost Leon Uris, who was 78. He wrote uh, very large novels like Exodus and Mila 18. Oh. It, you know, airport reading mostly in like the 70s. And then in 2013, we lost, as we said, James Gandolfini, who was only 51. Oh. And cowboy yodeler Slim Whitman, who was 90, he's the one who helped us defeat the Martians in Mars Attacks Hell with yeah. his beautiful Indian love song, Yodeling. Slim Whitman, huh. ladies and gentlemen. Well, JR, with that out of the way, what do we got? It's time for the... Bo 
a birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Turning seventy. Seventy. And that's a bit of an ouch for me. I'm quite aware of the, how the passage of time works, <laughs> but it's a person I do not want to think of as turning 70. Jonathan Lipnicki. No. Okay, just check. Wild stab in the dark. Born June 22nd, 1953 in Brooklyn, New York, to a Catholic family. Her father was of Swiss-German descent and a direct descendant of, last name redacted, a leader of the Swiss Peasant War of 1653. So all you Swiss Peasant War of 1653 (laughs) people are buzzing your hands right now because you know who it is. Just a little triangle hat with a feather in it. That's all I'm picturing now. That's not helping me. Uh, She went to Richmond High School but was expelled but would go on to uh, earn her GED. It's a lady expelled uh, back then from high school. Ants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She won the inaugural Best Female Video Prize at the very first MTV Music Awards. Madonna? No. Oh. no she would her appear last name's with, Italian. She would appear with professional wrestler ah, Hope C- Hogan. Oh. C- Cindy Lauper. <laughs> Cindy Lauper? It is Cindy Lauper, yes. Yay! If you're not familiar Please. with... Yes. Cindy Lauper gave wrestling so much validity by putting all the wrestlers in her. Like, what's the big one? Like, Captain Lou Albano's her evil, uh, evil yeah, father. Her and girls just want to have fun. Yeah. She was a major fixture on all wrestling events, I think, back when it was airing on MTV. So they were both becoming a phenomenon together. It's hilarious how tied with wrestling Cindy Lauper is. Part of the rock and wrestling connection. Yes, the yeah. rock and wrestling yeah. connection. I'm surprised. Oh, I've yeah. never thought I'd hear that about, about anybody's mouth but mine. <laughs> uh, but I was going to yeah. list TV shows she's appeared in and movies oh. include the Super Mario Bros. Super Show, yeah. Mother <laughs> Goose Rock and Rhyme, Mad About You, The Simpsons, and 30 Rock. I can't remember hmm. when she was in 30 Rock. I don't she played herself. Rock Mother Goose yeah, Rock and Rhyme, I will never forget. The that episode is, Kidney Now. That is one of the most. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. It's, it's the, the, the uh, celebrity song to try to get Alec Baldwin a kidney. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Cindy Lauper. Uh, and we just talked about Kinky Boots cleaning up at the Tonys. Yeah. She wrote all the songs for that. And, and I think the best song written by a lady about masturbation. Good on her. Give me some she bop. is a great song. I got a shebop right after this. And Please don't. I said after. Uh, I said after. And, all. Yeah, yeah. Her, the 40th anniversary of She's So Unusual will be happening wow. in uh, October. Wow. So. so she was only 20 when that came out? Or 30. 30. 30. Oh, she was 30. Damn. It's, yeah. It's kind of a bigger feat in pop music. 30. Yeah, yeah, honestly, it is. To break in at 30 as, mm-hmm. a, as a woman. Yeah. And that just rocketed. That was like overnight success for her. Yeah, it's it's nice. no wonder. Yeah, she's such a fixture in my mind of like 80s. Yeah. You she... know, in, in my mind, she was in to me, she was definitely equal to Madonna because she yeah. was in the Goonies. She's and, an, an, yeah. an, a, an a visual icon and someone who was really mm-hmm. fun to just be herself. Like, uh, yeah, it, it was yeah. bizarre hearing some of those lyrics come out of that speaking voice. <laughs> but if, if you go to any 80s thing dress up party you know there's oh, a 50 yeah. 50 chance someone will be dressed as cindy lopper i mean there's a 50 yep. 50 chance 
any new band will dress like Cindy Lauper for at least one publicity photo. It's it's, <laughs> it's that iconic. The eye makeup and the hair. Fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yep. All right. So we have a big choice of what we want to go out with because we did say it is the 10th anniversary of Kanye West's Yeezus. And my God, I'm so upset with him and concerned about him right now. But I also know Black Skinhead is a great song. But I also know it's called Black Skinhead. He was warning us. <laughs> so I'm going to automatically kibosh that. Go, you can listen to okay. Jesus on your own. Why don't we go out with the superior song from Last Action Hero, ACDC's <laughs> Big Gun? That, that is a banger. That is my vote because I'm just get, right. learning about music in this I doubt it was the first ACDC song I'd ever heard, but it was the first one I was like really aware of. And they were treating it like, yeah, this is ACDC. They'll release new singles till the end of time. I don't remember anything after this. Anything <laughs> well, new. It's, honestly, the last Action Heroes soundtrack is yeah. really a good dividing line for yeah, pop because totally. this is the last time you could have like heavy metal be like your default thing. You know, we're yep. going to get hit pop and rap from here on out. Yep. Uh, fucking mm-hmm. dad metal yeah uh, yep. so yeah why not that or weird indie singer songwriters maybe and, and a little and bit of that for your room rom-com due to yeah. the structure of our show i don't think acdc could ever close us out any other way kanye may have another mm-hmm. shot here slim whitman it's hard to take him off the list so i definitely know he probably doesn't have another shot with us either but <laughs> why not acdc i think uh it's commonly uh, common misconception you talk about michael jackson sold more albums than anyone like not ACDC. Back in Black, I think, is still like one of the best sellers of all time, given that specific album uh, has been yep. bought probably 80 times by your father. And Boy, <laughs> just your father. Every time they change formats, you know? <laughs> yeah. You went to CD. I got to buy it on CD so I can listen to it in the car. And please let me. I can't stand ACDC. So this is not an, it's not an endorsement. Ah. Exactly, Steve. Put, overplayed. You're right. Well, let's close out with that. <laughs> Patreon.com slash laser time. I swear I'll be less curmudgeon next episode. Uh, you have to be. We're talking about the finest, most personal film of all time. I, I mean, it, it, it's an, a true expression of an artist's vision. It I, is, though. That exactly. That's literally true. Yes. I can't wait. I can't wait. So take us out, ACDC. See you next week. Oh,